My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it is episode 90 today. On February 24th, 1997, a group of misfits from Philadelphia showed up in the WWE locker room before that night's Raw taping. Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, and nearly a dozen more competitors from the Extreme Championship Wrestling had been invited by Mr. McMahon to compete in the sanctioned matches on that evening's broadcast. It was a historic night for sports entertainment, but the mood backstage was tense, to say the least. So we're going to watch today Raw... February 24th, episode 198, we're going to do WWE versus WCW again, Monday Night Wars. And of course, we'll be doing the five-point system like we did for the January 4th edition of Raw Nitro in We'll be looking at the show overall, including the roster, the setting, the commentary, the matches, and the segments. But this time, the Monday Night Wars, Dan, go extreme. Extreme. We start off with action straight away, and it is the new Blackjacks going against the Godwin family. Now, you might recognise one of these guys as a WWE commentator now, Dan, going as uh, Bradshaw in the ring. Oh, my God. And Phineas in the early going. He's, of course, Midian going on the outside. This started wildly on Monday Night Raw. It has indeed. The match hasn't even started yet, and, you know, everyone's gone to the outside, and it's very brutal. Yeah, during this time as well, we should say WWE's leading the war, but we're going to watch Raw first and then go on over to Nitro, seeing as that is the number one show at the moment. What could Raw do? And of course, the new Blackjacks are Bradshaw and Barry Windham. And Barry Windham, Dan, uh, of course, he was brother-in-law to IR- brother-in-law to IRS, IRS married to his sister, and they were tag team champions together. And of course, IRS, his sons are involved nowadays, aren't they? Well, one of them is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Bo Dallas probably not doing the best, but of course, Bay Windham. Sorry, go on. As we mentioned, Bray Wyatt, the lot went out. Did it go? <laughs> That's weird. He's here. And uh, of course, Bay Windham, former NWA world champion at the moment, tagging up with Bradshaw, of course. You've got Henry and Phineas, the Godwins. Yes, you have indeed. And of course, they're showing us the other matches we've got tonight Fruke versus Yuntag, I think that was, and Sonny versus. Marlena in an arm wrestling match. And funny enough, Sunny has been released from prison. She has, yeah. So good on Sunny. Hopefully you uh, you get better, girl. Uh, Bradshaw's in there now. I mean, what do you think of this gimmick, the new Blackjacks for Bradshaw? Um, I don't think it was his greatest gimmick, to be honest. 
But, you know, it was all Bradshaw into the WWE. Yeah. So, you know, you well, can't blame him for starting somewhere. Well, it's interesting to think on our journeys as well. We saw it, you know, uh, we saw Raw in early 99. And of course, he was part of the Acolyte said, we've watched in your house events and seen Justin Hawk Bradshaw as well. So we know Bradshaw's been around the WWE for a very long time, hasn't he? He has indeed, yes. And now Phineas in the corner fighting back, but poked to the eye. Bradshaw, though, big fella. They are two big horses, but we're going to talk about the different talents at different places. We're going to do exactly the same thing we did last time around. Talk about what the arena looks like, uh, the the roster and everything like this. But in the early going, it's a good start to Raw, isn't it? You know. Yeah. So with these four men, any of them, would you predict any of them to go on to heavyweight championship greatness? Probably not. I mean, at the moment, he's just a lot of four big guys. Uh, I think tag team is probably what's best for him at the moment. Especially Bradshaw, the kind of what he's changing. I don't think anybody would have saw that coming. He just looks a big guy, you know, kind of old-style wrestling, you know, Stan Hansen type at the moment. You wouldn't have really thought, oh, yeah, he's WWE champion material. This is a problem in 97 with the tag teams really weren't that strong. You know, you had the headbangers and people like this. But Well, only 10 years later, I mean, Bradshaw would have gone from this to the APA and then on to John Bradshaw Layfield. Yeah, so, so it was quite a short transitional period, you know, from character to character to character. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Wyndham trying to distract Phineas. over the top there. Yeah, Henry Godwin over the top. Phineas. Phineas getting restrained by the referee, trying to make his way in, but the referee's distracted so that Wyndham can beat down Henry. Yeah. I should say we're in a Hammersmith ballroom as well uh, in New York City, very famous arena. Uh, the first Monday Night Raw was held in during 93, basically all the Raws was held. And of course, it was home to the ECW One Night Stand events as well in 2005 and 2006. So there's a lot of history involved in this. Quite a small arena, as you see. But you certainly get the fan feel. Yeah, most definitely. And oh, look who it is at ringside. The most dangerous man in the world, Kenneth Shamrock. Ken Shamrock. And this is his WWF debut as well, being in the crowd, watching on. Very interesting spectator here as uh, the new Blackjacks are taking over on the Godwins. But it's a quick way to start Raw. And this is what Raw tried to do as well. Because if you start it quick, fans tuning in will want to watch it as the show continues. You know? And then you get that kind of, this is what's happening. Please stay tuned. This is what's coming up. You know, keep stay tuned for this, this yeah. and the other. Yeah, please don't go. Please don't, no. Bradshaw running into a big boot there from Henry. He's certainly been on the brunt of the beatdown from... The new Blackjacks. He has, and like I say, all big guys in the ring. And Godwin managing to hit the uh, back suplex on Bradshaw. Can he get the tag to Phineas now? Oh, but can Bradshaw make his way over to his partner, Barry Windham? He can, gets the tag in. Oh, Windham thought he could cut off the tag, but, well, starting to unload on the new Blackjacks. Oh, big back elbow as well. It's interesting to see talent, you know, Bradshaw and Midian. During the Attitude Era, they had quite good gimmicks. Do you think they were giving it, I mean, probably talk about like the loyalty for the fans, you know, for the wrestlers that stuck with them during the tough times, you know? Oh, as you say that, a clothesline from hell by Bradshaw to Phineas. And he going for the pin. Ah, and Fifth was on the rope, but the ref didn't see it. Or did he? No, well, the award to victory to the new Blackjacks there, even though, yeah, the foot was obviously on the ropes, but good way to start. But yeah, so we'll come back to the loyalty point later, but it's interesting with Bradshaw and Midian, they were still involved during the attitude of a heyday when maybe other talent could have taken the spot. Rewarded for it, you know, like the Undertaker was or other people that stuck yeah. by. But uh, after the match, the uh, Godwin's not happy, are they? They're certainly not now. And Henry's picked up his slot bucket. I think he's more pissed off with the referee for not seeing the call. 
Are they going to chase down the new blackjacks, or well, are they just going to leave with a tail between the legs? Well, he might slop the referee. I think that's what I'd do. Referee's trying to get out of town. But, I mean, what did you think of the opening match, Dan? Uh, well, you know, it was four bit. Oh, the referee's <laughs> oh, wait, just been slopped. <laughs> but, well, you know, as you say, it was four big guys. Towards the end of it, you can see Black, uh, Bradshaw certainly looking more impressive, certainly looking like someone that could potentially be a heavyweight champion one day. Although, you know, now you certainly wouldn't have looked like it and, you know, you wouldn't have called it. Yeah. Well, we've just come back from the ad break and it looks like the Eliminators with Paul Heyman have just come in the ring. Oh! And they're taking down a jobber, I suppose. Well, I don't know if it's just a ring technician maybe in there, but yeah, jobber at the time. And the ECW Tag Team Champions are here. What's Paulie dangerously got to say? We just come back. What did you think of the match quickly, the first one? Uh, yeah, you know, it was four big guys... They certainly, you know, made Bradshaw look strong. Uh, not really enough to keep me intrigued at the moment. Yet. Yeah, I know. It's interesting to see what happens. Well, your challenge, King has challenged ECW. Heyman said your challenge has been accepted and ECW is in the house. And now a huge ECW chant. Well, certainly going up. We saw this in part last year with the barely legal pay for you, Jerry the King Law's involvement. In ECW at the time... They were kind of helping each other out during, you know, when they were losing so badly as it was. Well, you know, it's certainly bringing different edges to each promotion. Yeah, it's unbelievable to think ECW actually in the WWF at this moment in time. You know, it's like, it is two separate companies and for this to happen, it is an invasion as well. And it's during the kayfabe era as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and if you want to keep people tuned, having Paul Heyman in the middle of a WWF ring. But the best thing to do now is on the mic. You know, even nowadays, he's on the ring. He's on the mic in the middle of the ring. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He he, he knows how to give that promo, doesn't he? And he looks pumped up now. Do you think the cell phone gimmick helped? I, I think it was... I think Heyman, the character is great, you know? It, the problem was with him, he wasn't a very good businessman, and that kind of what happened in the end with him. But the Heyman character throughout all has always been good and always been great on the mic, hasn't he, you know? Most definitely, yeah. And now he's introducing little Guido to the crowd of Guido, who eventually would wrestle in WWE as well, wouldn't he? Nunzio? Yeah, Nunzio. Partly FBI there. Hey, and now we've got the blue meanie. <laughs> yes. Who's he followed by? Uh, of course, the BWI with Stevie Richards and Nova as well, who would end up in WWF as Simon Dean. Oh, that fucking melt that come down to the ring on a Sedgeway then started working out. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah. And there we go, like the BWO in the house. We see the BWO t-shirts as well. We've seen a few and we've got some douche dressed up as Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. We've got the blue guy there, you see? It's big Stevie Cool. I think that's six with the camera, you know. They're just trying to mock NWO. Oh, look, Heyman. <laughs> so... Heyman has, has taken over the commentary team with Vincent King. Well, Stevie's saying we're taking over. So you get a call on the landline and someone's saying, oh, over on Raw. <laughs> yeah. ECW's taken over. Switch yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. And we see an ECW match now. It's Stevie Richards versus Dunjo in a Monday Night Raw ring. It is quite incredible to think during this time. Oh, fall away slam by Richards, though. Calls in the blue meanie. <laughs> and he just comes in, gloats, and then leaves. Yeah, nice little taunt. You hear Heyman on the commentary just ripping into the king as well. 
King calling it extremely crappy wrestling. And at the moment, though, Stevie in the ring taking over on uh, Nunzio. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Look who it is. Oh, but Nunzio rolling up Richards. Oh, only getting a two count, though. And Raven looking on at the BWO. Again, you know, he'd go on to be a hardcore champion. I think that's about as elevated as he gets. He, yeah. But he would have been in WF a couple of years ago as well as Johnny Polo, but changed the gimmick to Raven. Now he's coming up to see Stevie Richards. Distracts him, trying to get the advantage now. And Lil Guido has taken that with the kicks. And we see a little interview in the corner. We see Goldust. <laughs> him and Blue Mino. <laughs> yeah, they would end up working together. But like I say, in the, in the early going of the show, though, it's completely changed. We've had that first Raw match that we have. Now we've got the East Haven commentary, BWO fans, East W match taking place. And also, if that's not enough, we've got a promo with Goldust happening at the moment. <laughs> at the same time as the match. Yes. I mean, you don't know where to look. No, you're just like, come on, this is, this is, don't, don't turn over. And it's incredible to think as well, even with this show, everything that happened in 1997, not once did Raw beat Nitro in the ratings. Can I just say, though, they've missed the trick because that top right-hand corner where it's got the WWF Raw in red, they could have someone entering the arena <laughs> at the same time as well. So, you know, they could incorporate it all together. But now they're focusing back on the match. Nunzio's picked Richards up, slammed him, but Ooh. only a one count. One. And what can Big Stevie Cool do? He's a lot of trouble at the moment. Oh, wait, that's nice. Oh, oh. famous, sir. On little, um, little, Pedro. A little, <laughs> uh, Nuncio gets all down. <laughs> Nuncio. Nuncio. Oh, and Stevie looking to end it now. Oh, power bomb. Well, that's what big Stevie cool does on the USA network later tonight. It's an FM Nikita. What was that porno? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it looked not. <laughs> Stevie with a power bomb could have pinned him, but now he's going to go. Is he tuning up the band? He is indeed. Stevie kick. Boom. Hits it. Three. Oh. And Stevie Richards certainly likes short shorts. He'd, who likes short shorts, Dan? Stevie Richards likes short shorts. He James. does. And he goes over to the king as well. Look at that. The BWO victorious here tonight. And uh, what what a what a weird match that was, Dan. Certainly a weird match. You know, uh, I don't know who benefited more from that match, really. You know, no, I, WWE. Uh, I, I don't know. We've just gone to Sunny quickly. And she's wearing a dressing robe? Yeah, I mean, I wonder, dressing what's, gown? wonder what's underneath that. Sunny, the hottest thing going in WWF right now. Whose dick hasn't she sucked backstage? And uh, she's got a few more competitors to choose from. Now has. ECW are in town. Yeah, and uh, maybe we're going to slow things down a little bit with Honky Tonk Man. He's a honky-tonk, man. Yeah. Do you know, Dan, he's called, he's cocky, and he's bad. Yeah, he is mean... very bad, yeah, and he's really... also related to the king. He is, indeed, and uh, we was talking about King and ECW. We should say, before this, this show gets ahead of us, previously previously on Raw and uh, such, forth, in your house, 13, Final Four was the last paper that we had, Dan. Uh, do you want to just run through the, the card on that, just to see where we are, really, and who are the main players in WWF? The main event was a four corners match for the WWF Heavyweight Championship that had been vacated by Shawn Michaels three days before the event. Yeah, that was on Thursday Raw Thursday and also on that show as well, I should say, Rocky Marvier won gold for the first time beating Triple H. Uh, he did indeed, yes. Um, the match which had originally been conceived to settle the controversy over the finish of the Royal Rumble match in January and name a number one con- and name a number one contender for the championship at WrestleMania 13. Featured Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker and Vader. The main matches on the undercard were Owen Hart 
Rest in peace. And the British Bulldog versus Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. Rocky Malvia versus Triple H for the WWF Intercontinental title, which, you know, would obviously result in... <laughs> which was a rematch from the Raw show on Thursday. Hogstock Man at the moment has just introduced Sunny out here, and she's about to have, have an arm wrestling competition, and she's on the mic at the moment. Um, and this is quite a special time for Raw, even though they were losing the uh, the battle in the Monday Night Wars, because the following week we would crown uh, a brand new European champion in a match between Own Hart and Bulldog, which is one of those classics, isn't it? That? Indeed, yes. Um, you know, and certainly trying to keep the viewers entertained with in-ring shenanigans. Well, yes, talk about in-ring shenanigans, and Sunny now is going to take off her dressing gown issues. we get ready for this uh, huge arm wrestling match. Of course, at this point in time, women are treated just more sexual objects than they were anything else in WCW and in um, WWF. And no one was treated more of an object of sex than Sunny. Yeah, I mean, where do you think they got the name Sunny Delight from, you know? It's this She she started everything, basically. <clears throat> and again, it gets Marlena. So who would you back in Sunny versus Marlena, Dan? I think Marlena. Who do you think, James? Well, if I've got Sunny in my left hand, Dan, and I've got Marlena in my right hand... Put your hands together. <laughs> and add China into the mix. Yeah, well, China made her debut in, in, in the WWF. They're all dead. Uh, made a debut in the WWF just eight days ago, manhandling Marlena. Look at this. <laughs> Shaking the life out of her. Like a, like a rag doll. Of course, we saw the Royal Rumble 97, which is quite handy when it comes to this. We talk about the shenanigans at the Rumble event uh, with Sean Marcus losing his smile as well. Of course, with Triple H in the title, introducing China to save him. But Marlena, as we know, is injured and Sonny is mocking that as she comes out here. I at think moment... Sonny's going to win. Sorry, what? I think Sonny's going to win. Well, at the moment, I would pick Sonny over Marlena, what it looked like. Uh, give it four years and it would be Terry... <laughs> Well, 2000, yeah, fair enough. Three years' time. You you go to SummerSlam 2000, you watch Terry versus the cat, and then you go to Spring Stampede 2000, you see Sunny. It's like Sunny et Sunny. It's like... Sunny was nice, Uh it? Yeah. Sunny was beautiful. you got to give then. it to her. Yeah, I, well, Dan, I would give it to her. Do you know, she was the most downloaded image on the history of the internet at one point during like 96 97 the sunny out of every celebrity there was she she had it all and just it you know what i mean it's it's a story and that of, was in the early days of the internet that was yeah that was just she just blew everything <laughs> <laughs> and everyone yeah. no it's easy to take a shot at sunny everybody did we're getting ready. The Honky Tonk Man. Of course, the King would do a lot of these women uh, segments as well. So keep it in the fact. Sunny is not ready yet, Dan. Is she playing mind games with Marlena? Uh, but Sunny needs to get a firm grip, doesn't she? Um, yes. Yes, she's uh, certainly got to stretch out. Yes, she has. Here we go. In position. You. Oh, no. A bad cameraman. Oh, no, wait. But again, Sunny's still playing mind games. Is she flirting with the ref? No, no she's got to do her preparations, you see. She's got to do her press-ups. Marlena wants Sunny to get on with it, but Sunny's going to take her time, you know. She wants to do what's right. Ready, set, go! Oh! Oh, and now it's Marlena's turn to play mind games. Sunny was actually ready. Well, you can't pull out again, all right? You pull out again, you, you can't, get disqualified. You can't pull out more than once on Sunny and get away with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. She pulled out Marlena, like, twice. It's fine. Ken Shamrock's looking on, thinking, I left UFC for this. 
<laughs> hey, you signed a contract, man. Well, you had a fat man in a blue crop top. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've gone on to two women. Oh, I'm wrestling. And now it's go. started now. Who's going to have the advantage? And it's Marlena. Oh. Oh, but Sunny. No. Sunny. Oh. Sunny. No. Oh, Marlena. Yes. Marlena. I think she's coming. Marlena. She's doing oh. it. Sunny. Just pull it harder. Harder. Come on, harder. Get your grip. Oh, Sunny now. Look oh, at those hands. Oh, Sunny's starting to bounce. She's, got she's a, starting to grind. She's got a strong right hand. She's oh. certainly jacked off My some God, men. Marlena, those outfits. Not uh, Anyway, oh, look at Sunny. No, Marlena's got her. Gone. Oh, no. can Sunny fight back? So, oh. And she throws some dust to the eyes. Oh, my God. You cheater. Well, I think Sunny won, though. Oh, so Sunny... Sunny didn't win. No, Marlena won. Well, whatever happened. And now, Savio Vega coming out here. And he's checking on Marlena. My bitch looking fine. Well, Savio Vega recently joined the nation. Oh, Goldust and the camera cuts again, but Goldust laying waste to Vega. Oh, my God. And we saw Goldust earlier. He's going to help his woman out, isn't he, Dan? He most certainly is, yes. And Marlena is his woman. Well, the table's set up in the middle of the ring. Bounces. Vega through the table. Goldust now. And this is an early variation of a table match. They had a... (laughs) Big round one, and it wasn't that successful no. because it never went through. Oh, now Raw continues, and Goldust working Savio Vega in the corner. We see, we've been told moments ago, this is what happened. In case you'd forgotten two minutes ago. White things came, White Thing went out of Sonny's hand into Terry's face. And, you know, that is probably a familiarity backstage, but in the ring. Yes. We've not seen much of that. A lot of white powder, lot of white powder flying about tonight. But Vega's taken over Goldust, and I guess they've made it into a match, Dan. Well, they have indeed, yes. Um, I've been informed that the backstage did turn this one into a match, and the rest of the nation are ringside. Yeah, well, Savvy Vega working on Goldust, and now the numbers advantage. Of course, we've seen Savio Vega a bit, haven't we? Uh, oh, look who it is on commentary. If mine serves me right, that's um, Miguel Perez Jr., Dan, you know? Gosh. Puerto Rican wrestler would go on to be with Sabre Vega in a group, but at the moment, not happy about Vega's heel turn. You never f- cease to amaze me, James. I know, and do we see PG-13 at ringside as well? Vega can't keep Goldust down, though. Kick out. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and is Sunny coming back now? Why is Sunny running back? She's uh, at ringside. What's she got to do with this match? I'm not sure. She started all this trouble in the first place, I guess. She is a troublemaker. She is, and Crush looking on there as well. If he if he needs to get involved to help out Xavier Vega, he will do. Of course, Nation, any means necessary, Dan. They are, they, you know, well, we've seen what they evolved into. Yeah. And, you know, they did become a nation of domination. They have, and they've added Xavier Vega to the group since the Royal Rumble. You know, like I say, Farouk and Amir Johnson still got their problems. Yeah. And um, Mark Henry, Mark, The Rock. Mark Henry and The Rock, D'Lo Brown coming from that as well. Of course, he's talking about, yeah, you know, uh, losing the Intercontinental title but still feuding with Triple H as well, you know. So that's still going on. All in early night seven, if you see Sonny looking on as well. Miguel Perez is just not happy on commentary. Oh, but Goldust can't keep Vega down with the sunset flip and Vega with a big clothesline on Goldust. Uh-huh. Goldust falls to the outside, but that not, might not be the best place for him. Well, it's been a crazy start. 
to Monday Night Raw. Would this be keeping you locked well, into not. it? No, the, the Vega Gold. I'll be flicking over to Nitro now, watching that, and then flicking back to see the end of this just to see what's next. You is know? there too much going on? I don't think it's too much going on. I just think a Goldust-Vega match is not something that's going to keep my attention as opposed to like more ECW angle or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I think... Uh, at, at the moment, the action's kind of slowed down a little bit, you know. I kind of like the phonetic pace because you you honestly don't know what's going to happen next, you know. But what I want to know from you, Dan, is more about the uh, relationship between ECW and the WWF. The tenuous relationship between the two companies began in June 1995 when WWE came to Philadelphia with King of the Ring pay-per-view. At the time, ECW had built up a fiercely loyal following in their hardcore home of Philadelphia. During the tournament final between Mabel and Savio Vega, a disjunct distinct chant of ECW echoed throughout the famed Spectrum Arena. It was then that Vince McMahon began to take notice of the small promotion that would revolutionise sports entertainment. Vega at the moment is just working on Goldust and a dreaded claw hold. Paul Heyman said we were working on a deal with WWE to get us national exposure, but not a lot of people knew about it. Dreamer revealed, I think it was Paul, Vince and Bruce Pritchard the head of talent relations at the time, that it was. Yeah. Oh, and Goldust there trying to get Vega down, but a kick out. Uh. And Vega there with a patented back kick, putting Goldust again. Uh, yeah, more than one year later, in your house mind game, Savio Vega was once again... <laughs> well, speaking of Savio Vega, as he puts down Goldust, uh, more than one year later, in your house mind game, Savio Vega was once again the victim of an ECW involvement. During the event's opening contest, Heyman, Dreamer and the Sandman appeared at ringside, all with ECW logos emblazoned on their clothing. As Vega brawled with a young Texan named Justin Hawk Bradshaw, I think I've heard of him, uh, Sandman spat beer in the face of Savio. We didn't know what we were getting into, the innovator of, excellent, uh, the innovator of violence explained. We all met up in the parking lot. We had the eliminators in the crowd as backup in case we got into a fight. I found out later that Savio Vega was the only one who knew. Bradshaw didn't even know about it. He was ready to fight and Savio cut him off. Well, after a brief scuffle and a mass confusion, the hardcore renegades were escorted from the premises. Uh, I remember Jerry Briscoe. He was mad as can be. During uh, daring us to hop over the rail, he had rage in his eyes, Dreamer recalled. Supposedly, there was a lot of chaos and commotion with the WWE guys who wanted a fight. We were really escorted out by police. Once we got thrown out, we were gone. And back to this match quickly. Goldust just hit the DDT on Savio Vega to keep him down. Now can he get back into the match? Sonny, I guess, cheering on Savio, who's back to his feet first. Yep, and she's certainly bouncing around at ringside. Oh, he's going to slam him. Oh, goes for a big splash, but Goldust gets his knees up. And now on WWF, you could be watching Goldust. On WCW, you could be watching Goldberg. Savio uh, <laughs> Vega, though. I thought Goldust just hit an offensive move. But that's how much punishment Goldust has taken. Trying to come back in it, but Vega's just tough as well. Oh, but Goldust drops to his knees and delivers his patented uppercut. Oh. Couple of clothesline takedowns there from Goldust. And he's certainly taking it to Savio Vega. He is, and now in the corner with the punches. And he's hammering away on Savio Vega. He really is Vince McDan. He he really is. Got him in the corner, slamming him down. He's doing commentary tonight. You know, you've got uh, J.R. King and Vince McDan, and then you throw in Paul Heyman with it. You can't get any better than that, can you? No, you certainly can't. Well, Goldust to the top. Vega cuts him off now. What's he going to do? Superplex? 
Slaps Goldust on the ass, but Goldust, I think he got turned on by that and manages to fight him. <laughs> big right hands and big headbutts to Vega. Oh! Kissing him on the lips and then throwing <laughs> him off the top. Well, that's a kiss goodbye there. And how can Goldust capitalise on this? Sonny's still trying to get Vega into this match. Goldust realised that raise was coming and managed to block it. Ooh. A trip from the outside by Crush. Well, Crush, you son of a bitch. And Vega... Oh, but Crush gloating to the fans outside gets taken out by Goldust. Well, Goldust rolled out the way of the elbow and on the outside. But Savio Vega managed to recover, though. Delivers a spinning heel kick. Well, it took Vega down and eventually took Goldust down. Was it a glancing blow or was it full contact? I don't know. What's Vega going to do now? Well, Goldust certainly looks in trouble, but was he faking it? Because he delivers a big rake to the eyes and a big uppercut. Well, don't take away anything from Goldust. He may have that look, but the... Uh... <laughs> the big right hands definitely falling off. Yeah, D.L.A. Brown up there trying to distract Goldust. And, oh, come oh, on now. Crush into the ring and the referee calls for the foul. Disqualification and Goldust wins. Well, that is crazy as they beat down Goldust here. Um, and we can't talk about East W and uh, the relation. Oh, wait a minute. Who's that just come in and just got thrown out? Oh, it's Miguel Perez Jr. who's on commentary. And he doesn't like seeing what he's seeing because Goldust is down. Yeah, he's on top rope. Oh. Takes out Vega. <laughs> delivers a couple of big drop kicks and sends Vega to the outside. Well, Puerto Rican on Puerto Rican. And now he's going after Crush as well. And Goldust and Miguel teaming up. Oh, Crush gets out of harm's way there. The nation not happy, but there. Yeah, you think Goldust, Dan? Well, helping out is... Yeah, he's got new friends. makes new friends quickly, new doesn't friend. he? New Gold friend. friend. <laughs> I'm on commentary and all of a sudden, friend Goldust. Yeah, and Goldust and Miguel, warning nation off. But uh, yeah, we talk about East WWF still. And we talk about after what happened at Mind Games. The following night in Raw, Taz jumped the guardrail with a bright orange sign that read, Sabu fears Taz. And he injured a photographer who got in his way. Go, I remember Taz saying that I saw him coming near me and said, I'm going to fucking take him down no matter what happens. <laughs> so, that was it. Uh, the back-to-back incidents generated tremendous buzz throughout the wrestling industry for both an unprecedented attack uh, accord between Mr. McMahon and Paul Heyman. ECW was formally invited back to WWE several months later in February 1997. The groundbreaking organisation completed in s- sanctioned matches during Raw at the Manhattan Centre in the ECW hotbed of New York City. The company's first pay-per-view, Barely Legal, was only two months away. Yeah, we've watched Barely Legal. You go back on the WNL podcast and you can relive that. And, uh, yeah, Tommy Dreamer said they really need, they needed a boost and we definitely needed a boost as well. WWE were getting their butt kicked by WCW and they needed something that said you had to tune into Monday Night Raw because anything could happen. And we come back to Raw and the King is on uh, the microphone now. King talking about Ken Shamrock at the moment, ABC's most dangerous man. Dan, what did you think of Shamrock? He was certainly built up better than he actually was. Yeah, he could have been a lot more, couldn't he? As the King introduces Shamrock for the first time, the crowd goes banana. I didn't know that, did you? I didn't know Jerry the King. Well, talk there Ken you Shamrock. have it. Yeah. He taught Ken Shamrock MMA. He made Ken Shamrock the man he was today. He used to work out together. What's Shamrock got to say about it? <laughs> I don't know you. See, I was going to say, Shamrock been in the octagons, got his head hit a couple of times, doesn't recognise what the King did for him, you know? Yeah, the king was the man who trained him. I think he has been knocked out one too many times. Yeah, I think he yeah, Because you can't, you've got to remember, King caught, taught the ankle lock, not only Ken Shamrock, but trained and taught it to Kurt Angle as well, you know? So that's exactly. two guys there. 
And Kurt Angle, he went on to win a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Yeah, and if you think about it, really, if it wasn't for the King, he would never have done that, you know? The King is very upset at the moment. You can tell, embarrassed here by Ken Shamrock. Travesty. Well, if the King hasn't got enough of his plate with uh, Ken Shamrock, you know? Yeah, but this time we talk about ECW, we talk about Joe the King Lawyer. He was definitely an antagonist uh, from within to facilitate the invasion. And we see Heyman as we come back from the break as well. Oh, we're going to have another ECW match here now. And it is Mikey Ripwreck in the ring. No, it's Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck. Whipwreck. I can't say that name. Whipwreck. 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 <laughs> Whipwreck. That is the one and only human suplex machine. Taz. Oh, my God. And he's got a tower over his head and he means business. And at this time, Taz was unstoppable Dan wasn't he he's very dangerous in the ring yeah we saw what he could do last year on ECW pay-per-views absolutely taking people out he's got that kind of Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar was Brock Lesnar Dan hasn't he he certainly was yes he's the most earliest variation of Brock Lesnar that we've been able to find yeah and he's going against Mikey Whipwreck what do you think of Whipwreck Mikey Whipwreck chances Uh, slim to none yeah they lock up because Heyman back on commentary and look at Taz Snap me a takedown, gets the armbar locked in with the scissors, leg scissors, but yeah. Whitwreck managing to get to the rope. Oh, Shamrock looking on, probably impressed by Taz. Most certainly should be. King Talk Taz as well. King Talk Taz, who can forget King Talk Taz? Taz Mission. It was, it was, called, the, it was called the King's Mission before it Taz was. got hold of it, yeah. All Taz now. Oh, they're wrestling, Dan. They're certainly exchanging a few manoeuvres. <laughs> a takedown, though, by Taz and. Gets Whitwreck in an arm lock. Yeah, uh, Whitwreck again, Whip managing wreck. to get to the ropes. He is, and Bill Alfonso there with a whistle in hand, a, a huge fan, or Taz's manager at this point in time. Oh, fucking hell. An inverted German suplex from Taz to Whitwreck. Nearly broke Mikey in half, as the fans in New York appreciate this raw action as well. Lead foot by Mikey. Oh, we're getting caught by Taz, the suplex machine, and fucking oh, hell. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> And again, my neck. <laughs> Mikey might have his neck broken. And we see Farouk along with a nation in the bottom right-hand corner as well. Picture I mean, in picture. Again, everything going on. Mikey dodging Taz's offense. Oh, sunset flip. Going for the cover. Oh, oh but Taz managing to kick out. Oh. Big clothesline by Taz there as well. And Farouk's not happy. Taz throwing Mikey around. What can Whippy do? <laughs> So we see his future tag team partner start off the show. Yeah. <laughs> and we're seeing Farouk now. Yeah, we are. Oh, and Taz just hit an Alabama slam on Mikey. Again, Farouk, another guy they stayed law with, came over at 96, you know, during when they were losing it. And then during the Attitude Era, and even after. On. Well, the fans are up. The fans have certainly had their attention taken by something. You can hear Taz saying, what the fuck? Looking around. Who is it? Who's Sabu. On top oh of the days. fucking hell. hell. Off top of the raw sign. <laughs> Did he just go like head first and dive and he's a fucking loon. He just took out about six security guards as well. Taking out Alfonso. Taz trying to suplex up successfully manages to do that. Just another guy just throwing Mikey in. And you you know that Sabu is suicidal, homicidal and of course genocidal. He is and now Taz... It's got Mikey and Sabu. He's being dragged away by all these men. Of course, he's got that rivalry with Taz at the moment. Oh! Tazplex. I'm going to call that one right on the head. Jesus Christ. 
Well, Mikey is in trouble and Taz saying, come on. There you go. Taz mission and the grapevine locked in. Whip wreck has given in in record time from that finisher. He has. And Alfonso comes in with a big Taz flag and uh, waving it as Taz wins. And that was a brutal fucking match, wasn't it? That was. There were some hard blows to the back of Whipwreck's head. It was definitely an ECW match as opposed to a WF match. Yeah, they're it? like, look, you got to go out there and you got to get hit stiff and hit hard. Yeah, and they, and they really did. And uh, my way, I mean, what's his involvement at the moment on Raw? Um, yeah, I think it's certainly achieved more entertaining matches. Yeah, I think it has as well. Yeah, I think this made the show uh, a lot more fun. Well, we've seen a replay of Sabu diving off the top, of course. Off the top of the letter R. I think, oh, so I far, think yeah. the ECW angle has certainly been the most entertaining part of this Raw episode. And we're back after the ad break, and it's been a kind of hectic show so far. And we continue the action now with the headbangers coming out here. Mosh and Thrasher. Yeah, and another team who stayed around in the WF for a little while, actually. Weren't really rewarded for it, though. No, I mean, yeah, to be fair, no. I mean, the Headbangers, though, be- did become tag team champions. Had a little bit of success. We're even a team, I think, to the Rumble too fast. Yeah, but they was very unorthodox tag team. They were, you know, men in skirts, as it was. Kind of, is it a grunge look they were going for? Or uh... Well, they was coming out wearing big bras at one point, I do remember. Yeah, and we'll be interested to see who their opponents are. Oh, and it's the LOD, Hulk and Animal. Oh, my God. God, it's a wow! Fir- what a rush! It's the first time they've been seen in four years in the WWF, and they're here tonight. And the crowd has gone crazy. Is it worse of theirs we've seen? It is. We haven't seen a lot of Legion of Doom, have we? No, certainly not. And we are going to see him in action here. Like I say, big return to the WWF. It actually gets the headbangers, and at this point in time, I know it's not their eighties prime. Uh, it's good to see him. They look in good shape at the moment, don't they? They certainly do. Yes. As they look well, and what do you think of the Road Warriors as a team? I love them. I love them. Hawk and Animal, brilliant together. Both powerhouses, both brilliant technicians, and you know, look, both starting off the match as they mean to go on, full throttle, disposing the headbangers of the ring. Yeah, they are, and like I say, Hawk and Animal looking well. So we're going to start this tag team match off properly then, and it is Animal in there with Mosh. I like Mosh. Mosh, uh, he, they tried to make him into ble- Beaver Cleavage, didn't they? That kind of weird character where he ended up hitting his mum or his girlfriend, as it was. And it's just uncomfortable viewing, really. But I mean, the Headbangers came back recently, didn't they? Was it last year? Yeah. Smackdown tag tournament, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, they did indeed, yes. Yeah, I mean, didn't, they didn't really make much of an impact. <laughs> no, they didn't fare very well. But unfortunately, LOD can't come back now. Well, Animal could. He teamed up with uh, Heidenreich. Hawk in there. You know Hawk's brother is? Who? John Laurinaitis. That explains the voice. Yeah. What does John Laurinaitis sound like, Dan? Well, James, <laughs> my name is John Laurinaitis, and I am the general manager for Raw. And what does Hawk sound like? Wow! <laughs> there you go. We got two impressions in there, and Hawk just close on in mosh. <laughs> You're like my performing monkey. <laughs> right, sing with me. What does Paul Bearer sound like if he was in the match? James, you will win the match for the <laughs> Exactly. And Hawk with the uh, suplex on Mosh and LOD Road Warriors were known in their time for just not selling any moves really, weren't they? You know? uh, most definitely. Hawk comes in with a big drop kick, taking down Mosh. Will that be it? No, again being saved by Thrasher there. 
comes in and starts punching Hulk in the head, but it does no effect <laughs> no, on him whatsoever. It does not sell it in a way. And now he's got Mosh in a sleeper hold, and this has been a complete squash for Mosh in this match. Legion of Doom take it easy, but four years away. No Paul Ellering at ringside for them at the moment. They had uh, their separate ways, if that's a nice way of putting it, if you know what I mean. They've uh, <laughs> decided to go differently. And a sunset flip attempt there by Mosh, but Hulk just completely didn't sell yeah. it and punched him in the forehead. Yeah, we talk about different styles of wrestling tonight. This is definitely 1980s kind of... <laughs> a delayed vertical suplex, and yeah, you know, it's certainly 80s wrestling. 80s squash match as it was, but can Mosh actually do anything in this match? Starting to get a comeback. Oh, chop some cheese. And Hulk is selling, but he stopped selling and he's looking pissed off. Looks like he's hawking up. Oh, deliver some big right hands with some big chops. Yes, Adam will work it on Bosch in the corner. This has not been much of a, a match so far. Oh, look at... Referee bringing Frasher in, but Hulk's laying waste to Mosh. Oh, managed to get some separation, tagging in the hot Frasher. Well, finally getting the tag after all that time. And what can Frasher do in this? He's going to get his ass <laughs> thrashed by Animal. Well, he went for a shoulder barge and uh, he moved. Animal didn't. Choking him in the corner. At this point in time, would you have turned over to see what Nitro was up to during this match? At this point in time, I thought I'd have turned back time to the 1980s. <laughs> but um, yes, I most certainly would have turned over to see what WCW was offering, even though it was the LOD's big return. Yeah, and you talk about big, that was a big move there. Hawk trying to get Frasher moving and then hit the ring post. But double team now. Oh, and Hawk getting taken out. Bosch comes up. Well, this tag team match continues. When we come back after the ad break, it looks like Headbangers finally have some control. And they do, here live in New York City. They've had their longest spell of control throughout this match. Oh. A mosh in. And uh, you see, uh, fresher in, you sorry. see during the ad break, they're teaming up. Headbangers coming with a double clothesline, but Hawk running through and then taking both men down. Can he get the hot tag to Animal? Oh, if Animal comes in now, sure, surely this is over. Don't call me Shirley. Holding Oy. on to Hulk's leg, but can he get the reach? Oh, he's got it. Animal's in. Big drop kick to Frasher. Now putting the pain on Mosh. Oh, oh. an Orton-esque scoop slam. <laughs> well, yeah, huge slam there by Animal. Hawk, just a clubbing right hand on Frasher, knocking him out the ring. Moments ago, he was a big mess in the corner. Now look at him. Oh, there. Fresh as a daisy. Four men on the outside now, brawling around. This thing is broken down, hasn't it? It most certainly has. And Animal throwing Mosh into the steps. The headbangers are certainly getting their head, heads banged in. They are. And oh, no. <laughs> referee counts to perfect ten. The headbangers and Legion of Doom both get counted out. What? So it goes to a no contest. And it just goes to show that having face paint doesn't pay off. But they're not going to get it finished there. They got Mosh up. Uh, Animal's got Mosh up on his shoulders. Hulk's going to the top. Oh! Boom! Doomsday device turning Mosh inside out. He really was. And uh, Frasher coming to save his tag team partner. Lee Jadoon might not have won the match, but sent a statement. And they are back in the WF now. What do you think of that? Throw back in time to the 1980s, as you know, it was mentioned. A good bit of nostalgia, I suppose. But that was probably all it was, nostalgia. Yeah, I think 
I think that is, but I think these have still got a bit of name value. We see the response they had. And I think at the time where WWE had most of the real talent, it's good to see the Road Warriors, Legion Doom, that have been around for a bit of time, coming to the WWF. We talk about this state of the tag team divisions. Definitely it lives up, even if it is for them to eventually lose to a younger team, you know. So It's basically putting a team over before it was famous, basically like what the Dudley boys done when they come back. Yeah, exactly like that, yeah. Uh, and we talk about ECW tonight and Jerry the King Law involved completely. Uh, Dan, what did Jerry the King Law actually say about this all? Um, I had heard a lot about ECW before, and honestly, what I'd heard was not necessarily fact. Lawler told WWE Classics. I spent most of my career in the Mid-South area and we had a little wrestling world of our own. The only thing we heard about other promotions was the stuff you'd see in wrestling magazines. So honestly, I thought at first glance... <coughs> so honestly, at first glance, I thought this was a group of misfits. I thought these guys who couldn't catch on with the major organisations. Cast-offs. I found out later that that wasn't necessarily the case. To make matters more interesting, Heyman and the King had a history that wasn't widely known to most WWE fans, Dan. Uh, no, Paul Heyman had worked for my promotion down in Memphis, Tennessee, that, Je- uh, that Jerry Jarrett and I owned from 77 to 97. The WWE Hall of Famer explained. Uh, we made him the manager of Austin Idol and Tommy Rich which at the time were two of our top guys in the territory. And uh, it was a great spot for Paul to be in. I thought at the time Paul had a lot of charisma and got a great villainous reaction from the fans. We had a scaffold match in Louisville, Kentucky. And Lola recalled, I remember telling Paul before the match, when you're up there on that scaffold, and he said, oh no, I can't go up on the scaffold. What do you mean? We built up this match for weeks, he said. I've got a fear of heights. He just flat out refused. It ruined the plans we had for the match. Yeah, and things got so tense between Laura and Heyman that the King hit the controversial New Yorker. Uh, the ECW mastermind had resented Laura ever since, so it made perfect sense for the King to be the guy to invite ECW. Hang on, let's go back a second. So, Jeremy the King, Laura, because Heyman refused to go up on the scaffold and punched Heyman, and that's why Heyman had a problem with they had a problem with each other. Heyman's yeah. right there, though, isn't he? Well, if he was scared of heights and didn't want to go up on a scaffold, then why should he? Yeah, exactly, you know, and, and for the king to punch him, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'll say things got so tense. Uh, the ECW mastermind had resented Law ever since, which is fine. So it made perfect sense for the king to be the ECW back to Raw for a fight. Even if the majority of sports entertainment fans didn't know the pair's history, many in the locker room did, adding a layer of genuine intrigue, which it was. It blurred the lines between yeah. storyline and reality, didn't That's it? That's definitely you know? The wrestlers knew there was a legitimate dislike between us, Lola recalled. When ECW came into WWE, Vince and I were doing commentary, so we had the opportunity to be the most vocal about the guys. Literally lambasted them. When I said that ECW stood for extremely crappy wrestling, it stood forever. It still lives to this day. That it stuck at, struck a nerve and really got under the skin of the ECW talent. I heard through the grapevine that they really thought I was a jerk because that's something you just don't say. And now we go back to the action in ring. We've just seen a very lengthy Shawn, Mike, Shawn Michaels promo all about how he lost his smile and, you know, and everything like this. It's just great to see Heyman on the mic, isn't it, really, in the Raw show? And now we've got our next ECW match, obviously, the Michaels thing, and it is Dan. Devon Dudley. Yes. Part of the Dudley boys and who's his opponent? 
Um, Tommy Effin Dreamer. Yeah, it's Tommy along with Bill. Oh, I can never say that name. Belula McGillicutty. Easy name to say, Belula. Of course, these are two big stars in ECW as well, aren't they? They certainly are, you know. Um, Devon, part of the famed Dudley Boys. And Tommy Dreamer, he's a legend throughout ECW. I think he is probably Mr. ECW. He has never left the company, and now he's uh, going low on Devon Dudley. I'm going to start this brawl off. Devon managing to reverse the Irish rip to 10. But getting caught with a bulldog from the oncoming Tommy Dreamer. And that's what extreme wrestling is. Extreme bulldog. And he takes Devon down and out the ring. An extreme throw over the top rope. And you can see that that's the ECW fan base in the front row, isn't it? You know, you yeah. can recognise the guy. Well, they are in ECW's hometown, aren't they? It's yeah. Probably 90% ECW fans. Oh, and he's got something from the crowd now. A walking stick. Oh. Beats Devon over the back with it. And it lands perfectly in the ring as well. You can't ask for much better. Oh. Irish whip into the stairs and Devon's in trouble. My God. And when we talk about the differences in the matches tonight, these stubby matches definitely felt extreme. I don't think there's any rules to this one. Well, the LOD match ended in a count out. Yeah, and we had a disqualification finish earlier with the Savio Vega match as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> and these, they just get brutal and it's they're having yeah. fun, aren't they? The Godwin's match had the foot under the rope and he got stopped. Yeah. So we've not had a clean finish no. in the WF matches, but... Hi-ho. Yeah, stairs on the apron. Tommy Dream set him up. <laughs> Fucking hell. Baseball slides his way into the stairs and the stairs hit Devon and <laughs> takes him down. And it's, again, one of the most exciting matches we've had of the night. It's only just started and it's definitely been the ECW show. Yeah, as Of course, we've still got Farouk Undertaker tonight. But until then, we've got this, and Dreamer throws Devon back in the ring. He's still got the stairs. Big Irish whip, but he gets it reversed and sends Dreamer into the stairs in the corner. And the impact with Dreamer there, bouncing off the stairs. Sends Devon's glasses flying, but he doesn't care. He grabs a chair. He does. Sign Guy Dudley passes to him. <gasps> oh, unprotected chair shot to the head. Oh my God. Dreamer is down, and Devon, all he has to do, surely... Don't call me Shirley. He's pin him. But he wants to finish him. Finish him. Oh! Side slam onto the chair. Extreme side slam to the chair. To the extreme chair. It's <laughs> extreme chair. Demon picking Dream up again. Just punches and now set the extreme chair on Dreamer's extreme head. And a big extreme leg drop to the extreme chair on the extreme Tommy Dreamer's head. My God, this is an extremely dangerous match. Chair, Dreamer on it. He's going to go to the top, is he? Is he going to try and finish off Dreamer? Second rope. Go for the headbutt. Oh, headbutts the chair. It's nice to know, though, Devon performed on Raw for three, two years before, you know, Dudley's did. That doesn't matter because of what just happened there. <laughs> that was like a seated pile driver. The dreamer <laughs> pile drives the shit out of Devon. But Devon's managing to get to his knees. I mean, not many people could do that. There you go. Dreamer's got the chair now. Oh, but Sign Guy's grabbing Dreamer's leg. Devon rushes into the chair that Dreamer had up and it hits Dreamer. Oh, Sign, him. Sign Guy Dudley grabbing Balula. Devon getting distracted now as well. The Undertaker watching on. Well, I tell you what, as well, that's no that's split screen, isn't it? With Undertaker, no little right hand corner there. Nah, he gets fifty percent of the screen. And as he's speaking, Tommy Dreamer 
DDT. It's over. And the Undertaker's two, still talking. Three. They're like, yeah, you may have finished the match, but Undertaker's talking. And Bubba Ray's in the ring, assaulting Dreamer. Well, uh, at, un- we, at least we heard from the Undertaker's we saw half the The first action. 3D in WWF. There we go. Dudley's hit it on Tommy. Yes, the end of the match. It's uh, enter Sandman. And it's Sandman. Fucking hell. Swigging a beer. Kendo stick in hand. Oh, Dudley's have got him though. Flips him into the ring. <laughs> that, 3D! That was the shortest save in uh, history there. He didn't even save him though. He just got beat. <laughs> oh, here we go. Concerto, they both got chairs. Oh, rushing into Sandman, but Sandman ducks out of the way and then takes out Devon. Both the Dudleys are in trouble. Oh. <laughs> and a chair shot to the head of each of them. Uh, by the way, Tommy Dreamer won the match. He, he pinned even after a DDT on a chair. But since then... <laughs> mullet watch. Mullet watch. Oh. Sandman sporting a mullet. Very nice mullet by Sandman. Celebrate with Tommy Dreamer as well. Heyman very happy on commentary. ECW is certainly stealing the show from WWF. He thanks Vince for letting him be involved in this and then goes away. Or the, gets kicked out of there by Jerry. Jerry not happy. Oh, goes <laughs> back to try and assault the king. Got a few of his boys backing him up. Well, the eliminators there. Taz got hold of Vince. And a big scuffle going off here. Oh, God. He's going to an ad break. And that's what you want to keep tuned into didn't you you know when yeah. you see stuff like that that's that's what they should be doing uh what did you think of the match it was probably one of the better matches of the night you know it was certainly an extreme match and yeah you know props all around good match yeah no, it's, it's been it's been uh, it's been really good the ecw involvement in this like we talked about the history and how they got involved together and now it pays off to this moment here you know on raw with ECW involved, it has made ECW look quite good. You would tune into ECW after this, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it- yeah, of the night, Paul wanted his best representatives out there because we were getting ready for the pay per view. Dreamer said we were using it as a platform to get national exposure. We wanted to show that extreme style and take over the show. As the ECW roster pulled all out, pulled all the stops out. As the ECW roster pulled out all the stops to impress the television audiences. The King did his best to offend the unwelcome guests. I remember one particular thing got under Taz's skin, Laura recalled. I was just trying to be comical when Taz came out of the ring and I said, you know, he looked a lot bigger on the Lucky Charms box. That really got his goat. I think there was some animosity there with Taz. And it's weird because Taz would go on to have a match with Joe the King, Laura, about three years later anyway. So yeah, good. conspicuous by his absence, though, was one of ECW's most impressive talents, RVD. And he had sided with Jerry Lawler in what became a bitter rivalry between the two organisations, but nowhere nowhere to be seen on the broadcast. Yeah, RVD went on Raw, but he was serious to think of leaving and going to WWE, uh, Dreamer revealed. And we'll get on to the, the last bit after this. They're just showing highlights at the moment of all the shenanigans in the WF title picture. Because you've got to remember at the Royal Rumble 97, you had... Um, Michael's getting it back from Sid, which was quite easy, wasn't it, you know? And Bret Hart was a scheduled favourite, and everybody thought it was going to be Bret and Michaels for the title. Of course, the Rumble ended the way it did, so you had four men going to the final four, which we've talked about. Shawn Michaels lost his smile, so that match became for the WF title. Then he had to decide which was going where, 
who was going where as well, you know? Yeah. So Bret Hart won the title at the Final Four event, but then the next night against Sid, lost the title. Yeah. Thanks to Stone Cold Steve Austin's interference. With the steel chair. With the steel chair, meaning then Sid would go on to face the Undertaker at WrestleMania 13 and break their legendary street fight. But it was very fuddled, and I think Shawn Michaels should, even now he's a legend, should still be blamed for the reason why WF couldn't put their A show on. And especially during the time when they were fighting with WWE week in, week out, they needed everybody to stand up, didn't they, Dan? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, some people didn't, notably. (laughs) <laughs> no, they didn't. And the pa- power bomb from Sid finishing off Brett and yeah. I mean, Sid is a WF champion. Like I say, he's got a date with the the Undertaker at WrestleMania 13. Uh, not the best main event in WrestleMania history, but still, you know, this was the start of the Bret Hart Hill turn as well. Of course, what happened with him and Austin at Mania. So we're just seeing Bret slowly unravel. You know, he's had his problems with Michaels. He seemed to be getting screwed out of every situation as well. So it's a story of, quite a simple story of a guy who we know is a good guy. But over time, with reasons that you can empathise with, suddenly just turns to the, the dark side as it was, you know. But it was true. Bret was treated... You know, if you look back on it now, you see how unfairly the treatment was on Brett. So, yeah, they just said about the WrestleMania 13 main event that calls Vince McMahon and the King now commentary. Looking forward to our main event, Yantaker Farouk. Oh, my God, that is going to be off the chain. Uh, but, yeah, we talk about ECW. And after the big invasion show in February, ECW competitors made several more appearances in WWE rings most notably with a televised debate between Heyman and Lawyer. On Raw, the King even became a manager of sorts to RVD, which he spoke about, who had begun going by the name of Mr. Monday Night. But at a Raw taping in June, the arrangement between the two companies began to fall apart. Uh, Yeah, and Dreamer admitted we had some problems in Detroit, Michigan. It was Sabu versus Flash Funk, and they wanted to do Rob Van Dam versus Road Dog. Um, the Road Dog match didn't happen due to backstage disagreements and a proposed match with G- Dreamer and Sandman battling RVD and Sabu at the year's SummerSlam at the Meadowlands in New York slash New Jersey area didn't take place. We were told the match was a go, but we were scrapped the week before, Dreamer said. Well, regardless, Law made the invasion of his own to the ECW arena, confronting the hardcore competitors and the fans on their own turf. And, of course, we saw that, didn't we, last year with the pay-per-views. Uh, it was the devil walking into heaven, Dreamer recalled. He feared for his life. It was bad. In ECW, we used to have riots. <laughs> they were very close to a riot. Fans never expected him to show up there. Perhaps because Lola never had kind words for the ECW arena. Yeah, well, I've made some comments about the place, Lola admitted. I've said this building should be built out of toilet paper. The Philadelphia fans are tough, and East W Philadelphia fans are even tougher. And that atmosphere in East W building was just—it was scary. Because Philadelphia, the their main arena at that point in time. Yeah, and Lula had pop, uh, <coughs> Lula had participated in marquee matches alongside RVD and Sabu. Uh, ECW's heatwave and hardcore heaven events that year. Yeah, Jerry Law is one of my favourite opponents, Dreamer said, but I don't think he gets along with Paul Heyman. I've never had personal animosity between Jerry. I was always a huge fan of his. The King has similar words for his former foe. I love Tommy Dreamer. He and his lawyer said, and would welcome the opportunity to rekindle something with Paul. And even to this day, I think it would be the perfect fall of me in a comeback match. It just wouldn't be a scaffold match. <laughs> 
Still, despite the tensions in the locker room and in ring, both Dreamer and the King agree the invasion was an enormous success. You cannot debate the power of WWE television, Dreamer declared. We had the cult following of ECW, but there was people who couldn't get to ECW on TV. So that opened the doors for people to ask, who are these crazy people from Philadelphia? I want to see more of them. Uh, yeah, looking back on the entire ordeal, even Jerry Lawler has come around on his opinions on ECW. Certainly our memories of ECW will probably live forever, thanks in large part to WWE, the King said. But even if it had never happened, those guys did enough to stand on their own. They did things that got attention. They got the rest of the world's attention. I was happy to be a part of it. And to this day, Lawler still gets asked about his feelings about ECW. I still have a lot of people who say... Why do you really hate W much? But you have to understand, if I really hate it so much, why was the only guy from WWE who went and worked with them? When you look back on something that you uh, that worked, you're proud of it. I don't think it could have worked out any better than it did. And to have an announcer go and, you know, do this to another company, it would be the equivalent now of uh, Corey Graves attacking... Uh, Bobby Lashley in TNA, do you know what I mean? Or, or, company, or Ring of Honor, you know, going into a company like that. That's how it was, you know? Uh, and it, it, it kind of leads away to what happened today. When you look at the other companies WWE trying to get hold of around the world, trying to become talent relations and partners, it makes sense that you would do that as well. And also, look how many talents went from ECW to WWF. Yeah, fucking loads of them. Um, you know, it was even a brand... As part of the WCW invasion as well. Yeah. So they've had a huge impact. Like you say, in 97 here, when they were so 2001 during the invasion angle, and even when they got brought back to life in 2006 as well. But it's now time for the main event, Fruit versus Yantaker. We saw Ken Shamrock being interviewed at ringside, and Fruit came down and said some nasty words to Ken Shamrock, saying he doesn't belong here. Maybe a possible feud in the future, we don't know. Fruit is quite heelish, isn't he? So it'd be interesting to see the Undertaker... We saw him losing to Vader at the Rumble, Rumble 97. I wonder what he's going to be like tonight. And the arena goes pitch black and the emergence of the Dark Undertaker. Do you think it's a worthy main event, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. So we're going to see what happens in this match as the Dead Man comes to the ring. So we're looking tonight for the, the four points. We're looking at the setting. We're looking at the promos, the roster. The show overall, but if I forget what I was about, so what do you think of the the arena, the setting it is? Do you think it's uh, think it looks good? Um, it's definitely quite a close crowd. You know, you can vibe all around them. Um, you know, it's a bit small. Maybe you know, it's bit, it's a bit like a gym hall, really. Yeah, a bit too much of a small time feeling, is it? You know, the the ballroom as it was. It, it's it, I think they're doing far better now with arenas. Even though on recent Raws and Smackdowns, I've seen them advertising tickets for the next week's show. So I guess they're not selling out these arenas now. But I don't think they should be this small. But how do you think the, um, like I say, the entrance way and everything like that could do with a uh, little bit of improvement, couldn't it, really? Uh, most definitely, yeah. It's not that decorated. But ECW being a notably smaller promotion, relying more on their wrestling ability, their hardcore side of things. But, you know, WWF... Still got the main event, and you know they're still pulling out the big cards to say look, ECW may have this, but we got these. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think of the roster? You know, we've seen the ECW roster. Would you view the WWF roster at the moment? We'll compare the two companies. <laughs> what was better? Um, well, you know, for 
the names that go on to have the future that they do, WWE. But, you know, ECW have certainly got the most exciting brand, even with the notable absence of RVD. Yeah, we still saw, you know, quite a few. Like, I've seen the Dudley boys hit a 3D early on as well. You know, Tommy Dreamer would be involved. But, like I say, we haven't seen Bret Hart or Steve Austin snugly. But none of them made much of an impact in WWE. Like, of... Because Taz didn't really go that far. Yeah, but he was a commentator for a long time, wasn't he? So, I mean, he was... You know, he had yeah. five, six years doing that, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah, like I say, in ring, probably not the uh, most talented guys. But even with the roster we've seen tonight on WF side, you know, their, their best days were really... Yet to come. Yeah, well, no, yeah. Bradshaw, see. Uh, Farouk, again, like I say, tag team wrestling. Wouldn't really go on to singles, would he? Godwin. Again, you know, notable, ab- <laughs> notable absences from Stone Cold. Yeah. Uh, the Rock. Yeah, Triple H, Bret Hart. We've not seen any of them. Yeah. Mankind's not been involved. Vader. But we'll see how this main event goes. I think Farouk doesn't want to get in there, does he, with the Undertaker? He's certainly a bit scared. He is. Did Will Fruit get in the ring? Oh, the nation is starting to surround a dead man, though. That's going to be a numbers game, but Yantake is not going to wait around. He's going out to him. He don't care that the numbers are against him. Oh, he got stuck in D.O. Brown's fat then. You see that with a kick? He did. <laughs> oh, but Undertaker crawling back into the ring and getting caught by Farouk. Oh, big right hands there. The leader of the nation trying to take down the Undertaker. Oh, but the Undertaker... Big clothesline takedown and flipping over as agile as he's ever going to be. Well, this is, if you don't mind me saying, vintage Undertaker. We see the clothesline now and now setting him up for old school. You know, he's seven years into the company. He is. I mean, his attire's still not the best. He still no. needs a little bit of work on. But the kind of Undertaker no one is evolving right now as well, isn't he? You know, But still involved in a WrestleMania main event that he hadn't before. This was his first main event match coming up. But you could argue you could have had the Bret Hart-Austin match as main event, but of course the WF title was the big championship, so they always wanted that in the main event. Oh, and Farouk trying to take over the Untake, but Untake with a big boot there. Catching Farouk, going for the cover, but Farouk Ooh. managing to kick out. Oh. The Undertaker only getting a two count. Two, but we are only talk about Untaker timeline. Eight months away from Kane debuting, which would change the Untaker's career as well, wouldn't it? Definitely boost his career. Exactly. So there we go. And we see Undertaker now fighting back, trying to find his way after Paul Bear betrayed him last year. Like I say, championship match on the horizon. Can he put down the leader of the nation, even the numbers? He's got him again. Is this old school? No, he's just working the arm. Undertaker beating down Farouk. Dropping a big elbow, but missing. Well, Farouk's still got his speed, trying to get the pin. Oh. Kick out uh. at two. And Farouk can't keep it down. But let's not discredit Farouk. Of course, the the first ever African-American world champion in WCW. And he's putting down the dead man right now as well. Snapmare. Indeed, he's certainly, um, you know, giving the Undertaker a run for his money. He is. Tries to close the Undertaker over the top. Eliminates him from the Rumble, but the Undertaker managing to land on his feet. But D'Lo soon putting waste to that and chop blocking him. His name's Fat D'Lo Brown. Fat D'Lo Brown. <laughs> yeah. Big D'Lo. Big D, big D at the moment working the Untake as we go to a break. Bum, bum. He's showing you what you missed when you turned over to WCW. Yeah. 
And Farouk now in complete control. Just, of course, the former American football player just searching out Untaker and chop blocking him there perfectly. Farouk now taking over. And the fans are happy throwing a bit of trash in the ring, Dan. No, certainly not, especially with the outside interference. I mean, you know, it's basically back against the Undertaker. It is uh, Big D and PG-13 trying to beat down the dead man on the outside. He's going back in now. Fruit going for the big splash, but Undertaker getting his knees up and he's starting to get back into this match. Come on, Undertaker. Oh, Irish grip with Undertaker, but how much is that leg damaged? Oh, getting chop blocked down. Well, if it wasn't damaged before, it is now. Fruit going for the pin. Oh, but the Undertaker managing to kick out. Oh. Farouk was ducking. The Undertaker went a-jumping. Hit the leg drop on the back of Farouk's head. And now is it time for the dead man to get back into this. Oh, Farouk may be a bit overconfident there. Big oh. leg drop, but Farouk rolling out of the way. Undertaker getting nothing but Matt. Well, Farouk has scouted the Undertaker tonight and then... He's got his number at the moment. He's got his leg again. Certainly working on the leg of the dead man. I mean, he can't win a match if he can't stand. Exactly. It's a great strategy. Strategy. It is great, Dan. By Farouk. And now he's going to the ring post. But Untaker trying to fight it. And Untaker, since losing his urn, and Bearer, become more human-like, hasn't he, Dan? He has indeed, yes. And, you know, it is a, an amazing transformation from the dead man to this more human man. Well, exactly. He was unbeatable. He was unpenetrable uh, as the Undertaker. And now Farouk has taken... Well, I wouldn't say it had been easy for Farouk, but it's not been difficult, has it, really, at the moment? Undertaker's really having trouble with that left leg. Farouk throwing him into the turnbuckle. But Undertaker moves out of the way. Farouk goes a-bashing. And Undertaker with a roll-up. Very un-Undertaker-like. Un Very unorthodox taker. Really? Nation of Domination, happy at ringside. And Fruk has got this sleeper in, Undertaker. Can he make the dead man go to sleep? I think it's making the fans in attendance go to sleep. Well, I think they're just wondering what's going on now. You know, it's like well, they like to see a few chair shots and like a few high big bumps, but they've given them the two big fellas. I mean, it has certainly been a big-sized Undertaker. Um, WWF roster. They're all big. Yeah, there's no small guys at all, is there, really? Is that big probably man. why Austin and The Rock aren't around as much? I think they're just going for size. Oh, no, I'm taking Rock a big guys, isn't they? Well, you know, you got to, yeah. look, when we talk about size, I mean, they're all over six foot, do you know what I mean? And they're not small in muscle either, you know? I think yeah. maybe Triple H, you could argue. Well, Shawn Michaels and Brett are quite small, aren't they? Triple H is bigger than yeah. them, so... But like, I think Triple H back then, he wasn't that big, though. Yeah, He so, only got bigger, like... In the 2000s. But even Goldust, even though he's not the biggest guy, he's still got the fucking heart. They're all six foot two, you know, like that kind of prototype. They're all over six foot. Yeah, yeah, if you look at the difference between that and the ECW guys we've seen, <gasps> the ECW guys we've seen, we've seen like Bubba, overweight, you know, Devon Black. Uh, we've seen... Dino overweight. Dino, uh, Tommy Dreamer, you know, probably wouldn't make it in the WF or WCW. Sandman as well. And Mikey Whitwreck, Taz, quite small. So they're all different sizes as opposed to the WWF. But the Undertaker's trying to get back into this match. Oh! A big power slam by Farouk. And Farouk saying, this is his time. Going for the pin. Two. Oh! But only a two count. Two. I suppose if Farouk was to win this with Undertaker, a big championship match, Farouk could be number one contender coming up. Most certainly, yes. You know, beating the dead man and the dead man's... 
certainly a big time restaurant at this moment. It is, and fruit to the top. Oh, oh but getting caught by the Undertaker and him turning it into a power slam, and Farouk is certainly in trouble now. All fair in love and war. A member of PG-13 on the, on the <laughs> ring apron, but Undertaker punches him off. Are you trying to pick him up for the slam? I thought it might be the tombstone for a second, but he wants to wear him down a little bit first. Oh. But getting low bridged by D-Lo. Landing on his feet, though. Oh, big D. Does he know Undertaker's behind you? Oh, Fruit's rolling away now. Again, another screwy match for WWF. Yeah, when we all talk about extreme, Fruit's got the stairs. I don't know if they're legal. <laughs> Charges towards the Undertaker. But the Undertaker puts a foot up and they, uh, they, like, Fruit goes <laughs> ramming face first into the steps. Yeah, Fruit. Fruit's down. He might have, uh, Undertaker pits Fruit back in the ring, though. Oh, but gets caught with his head between the legs of Farouk. He goes for a seated pile driver. Oh, wait a minute. But a complete no-sell by the Undertaker. Gets up to his feet almost immediately. Farouk, not happy with that. Might go for his spine bust or clothesline. Oh. And yet again, match ends in interference. Savio Vega and Crush coming out here. But LOD in to help out the dead man. Oh. PG-13 go out the ring. Oh, Big D's in trouble. <laughs> member of PG-13 gets a big power slam from Animal as we end the show WF always like to do that because you know leave us in suspense as he did to start the show so what did you think of that main event Dan? Uh, very screwy very boring fans went into it I weren't really into it that much what was the best match on the show that we watched? Uh, ECW's Tommy Dreamer versus Stephen Dudley yeah that could add our core style even though it. there was interference it was good interference because it was allowed yes and and it was different wasn't it it wasn't the same WF style we saw WF didn't really have any clean finishes throughout the whole night definitely not no. it and was terrible yeah uh, and it's an interesting product but East W thinks saved it didn't it you know uh, so. yeah you know it was I think the WWF benefited more from it than the ECW yeah so we've just seen uh, anything else you want to say about Monday Night Raw episode 198 Dan um, I'd rather watch Chris Benoit so we've just watched Monday Night Raw with ECW involved and because this is the Monday Night Wars we're going to switch over now to WCW Monday Nitro Dan are you ready I am ready I couldn't be more ready for this if your name was Mr. Ready from Ready Town Ready Vania So we move on to WCW Monday Nitro, of course, February 24th, and it is Nitro 76, two hours long, and we are just 24 hours removed. Super Bowl Night 7, what was the matches that happened at that big event, Dan? Six defeated Dean Malenko, DDP defeated Buff Bagwell by disqualification, Eddie Guerrero defeated Y2J, Public Enemy defeated Harlem Heat and the Faces of Fear, Jeff Jarrett defeated Steve McMichael. Chris Benoit with Woman defeated the Taskmaster with Miss Jacqueline and Jimmy Hart. Lex Luger and the Giant defeated, defeated the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And Hollywood Hogan defeated Roddy Roddy Piper. Yes, and uh, we had a shocking betrayal last night as well. The newest member of the NWO, which was Macho Man Randy Savage. 
But as we go, we're going to get started now on this two-hour Nitro. We start off talking about Public Enemy beating Harlem Heat last night. They're going to be in the first match tonight. We are at the Arco Arena with Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco uh, doing the commentary. And, of course, we'll be doing the five-point system that we did for the January 4th edition of Raw Nitro in 1999. We'll be looking at the show overall, including the roster, the setting, the commentary, the matches, and the segments. And with Raw, it was there was a lot crammed into it, wasn't there, Dan, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was very jam-packed. Yeah, especially with you know everything that was going on with the promos in the corner and stuff like this and the uh, the ECW matches that was involved. But it's good in the Monday Night Wars that we can see all three organisations as well. We're going to see WWF, ECW, and now WCW. You talk about ECW's, one of their biggest teams at the time was Public Enemy. Yeah, I was really happy with the fans. I mean, they're all getting in on their shtip. Yeah, they they were one of the first kind of breakthrough teams. The ECW came with WCW. Probably didn't have the success, maybe, that they thought they were going to have. I think they had one match in the WWF in 1999. Unfortunately, went up against the Acolytes. <laughs> so you can imagine they got completely destroyed. Yes, they, they did get fucked up and uh, they weren't welcomed back. Well, we see Public Enemy and they'd be going up against... Jeff Jarrett and Steve McMichael. Wow, and these two had the uh, single match last night at Super Bowl. They did indeed, yes, and you know Deborah's the controversial fact in that. Yes, they've they've been vying for her affection, and of course, you know uh, Steve McMichael, Deborah McMichael, her surname. She was married to him at the time, but would in real life as well go with Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she went over to the WWF with Jeff Jarrett and had success there until she got with Steve Austin. We all know the problems her and Austin has, but Deborah did very well for herself, didn't she? Well, this has to be an awkward team. Can't believe Mongo's let a Deborah cuck him around like this every week. But you've got to remember, with Mongo, Steve McMichael, he's a member of the Championships Chicago Bears, a member of the Four Horsemen. So, you know, he's bound to have as much respect from the creators as, like, Ric Flair does as Malenko, you know, as yeah, ex- Arn ex- Anderson. They, they try to build him up. I mean, I don't like him personally as a wrestler, but we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. And he's going along with his wife and indulging a crush every week on national TV. I mean, for me, it's hard to respect a man like that, Dan. Yeah, very hard. So, yeah, we started the match and we see McMichael in there with Rocco Rock, Rock, who's had his hair cut the last time we saw him. <laughs> the action to kick off Nitro. Let's see, because we talk about the roster at Super Bowl, you know, Jericho Guerrero. It On paper, it looks better, doesn't it? Uh, it certainly looks like it could have been or should have been a great event. But overall, the roster compared to WF at the moment, I think WCW is winning that one, even though we've started off with this particular match. But then again, yeah. we started off, we started off with a good wind versus a blackjack on Raw. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was a bit of a big guy fest <laughs> yeah. back on Raw. I mean, you know, aside from the ECW characters and the ECW matches and commentators, I think it was a disappointment. Yeah, well, we'll see how Nitro goes. And at the moment, Johnny Grunge is in there. Having a great time with Jeff Jarrett with a netbreaker. What do you think of Jeff Jarrett's attire at this time? Uh, I think he looks like a complete cunt. To be fair, Public Enemy was there before the Dudleys. It's just, for, do they look like a, a proper tag team, Dan? Um, they look like the, uh, they've put on like uh, baggy shorts and a baggy t-shirt. Yeah, they, they're hip-hop filter. I mean, Public Enemy's attire, though. The, the problem is, if you're going to eat soup or something like that, and you get a stain on it, you know what I mean? You can't then go out to the ring. Yeah, I think that's probably the least of their problems. I mean, they look a couple of old guys. So, you know, they're, I think they're a bit too old to be public enemy. Yes, <laughs> I think that's 
That's fair, but Jeff, uh, Steve McMichael working well, a bit surprisingly at the moment. Uh, McMichael with a leg drop. I mean, out of these four men, Dan, we usually talk about it. Who would you, would you have thought any of these would have become world champion? No. Uh, <laughs> if any of them, it probably would have been Mongo. Really? Because of his horseman credentials. Yeah, as well. He still likes to be doing that, but, you know, it doesn't look like any of the members of the public enemy. I think they're over the hill. Yeah. It's like, you know, you could say a Bubba Ray and Devon, you know, when they returned, it's... <laughs> it's the same yeah. as the public enemy. Now, I mean, Jeff Jarrett, like, I mean, was he always destined to be a mid-carder in your eyes? I've never liked Jeff Jarrett. Nothing he about He was it. an early on GPD. Really? Is that, you just, there was nothing there, you thought? No. Well, I mean, with, with Jarrett... I'd probably agree with the character probably wasn't with me. I don't know with a wrestler-wise. I don't think he ever had great matches, did he, you know? No, um, you know, he was one of them that I've just, you know, <laughs> never liked. It's it's, it's hard to get yeah. four... four it's, it's hard to get four men in the ring that we just... You, nothing, do you know what I mean? I, I nothing all four of these wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mongo, who doesn't look like a wrestler, beating up Rocco Rock in the corner with Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett powerbombing down Rocco Rock and Grungy Boy coming in and saving... Saving him and Jarrett at this point in time as well, um, would that case would cause a lot of problems for team two. And but Michael has got the case. <laughs> oh, and he hits Jeff Jarrett on the back with the case, his own tag team partner. And, and public enemy getting a roll up for the win. <laughs> yep, there you go. So but Michael still looked like a Jeff Jarrett because Deborah fancying him. And that's a little bit of revenge there, maybe, for Mongo. Well, you know, it's probably the most exciting bit of the match, but again, like the first WWF match we watched from the same night, it ended in the funny finish. Yeah, and it's difficult to say which one you would stick with at that point. Would you stick with Raw or Nitro after this? Do you know uh, what I mean? It's... Yeah, you know, I'd be flip-flopping between the two. Yeah. <laughs> and Arn Anson and Ric Flair trying to sort the horsemen out, are they? Well, they don't want anything to do with Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett was going to be in the four horsemen. It was Ric Flair's idea. Arn Anson and Stephen Michael weren't sure. Of course, last night at Super Raw as well, Jeff Jack using the case of McMichael for the victory. Michael saying, that's fair. That's what brothers do. I'm going to welcome him into the horseman and doing it this way. And Deborah doesn't look very happy, even though she looks very nice at the moment. Mean Gene trying to get some sense. But I don't think he's getting any from McMichael. He said he's going to slap Deborah around a little bit. <laughs> oh, wait. no. Well, the horsemen are, are falling apart Woo! from within. Blair saying if Jack did win, he would be the horseman. And he did win. So he, Mongo's got to get over it, hasn't he, Dan, really? He has indeed, but... Surely it's got to be harder to get into the Four Horsemen than that. When you've got Jarrett and Mongo in the Horsemen, you think, maybe not the strongest lineup. I'll go for the Wolfpack or <laughs> LWO. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. They are announcing the enforcer getting involved now as well, you see? Voice of reason. And he means business because he's wearing denim jeans tucked in with yeah, a shirt. and a cap. So the answer say, look, it's not the fact that we like you two. It's the fact that Flair's hurt. I'm injured. Benoit's out. You're the only two we got. <laughs> you know, please. Oh, there we go. But Michael off in the hand, see? I can mess with you. No one else can. It's like us two, isn't it? We take the piss out of each other. But soon someone else comes in. It gets personal. Yeah. So the promo afterwards, meaning becoming the horseman, was longer than the actual match, Dan. Yeah. And probably more interesting. But we did Rick Flair in it. Yeah, but we didn't really have a segment though on Raw, if I think about it. I mean we had the arm wrestling thing, but we didn't have like a in ring interview, did we, at that no. point? So we slowed things down, we've gone to Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco. I mean, compared to uh the King and Vince on Raw, which one's better? King and Vinnie Mac. I've got a groove, you know, as well. I I don't again, Larry Zabisco, a bit like you, Jeff Jarrett, I've never really thought of him as anything. And even the commentator 
he's just very annoying. You Tony know? Schiavone's all right. You know, yeah. you could get round him, but yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Tony Schiavone up until about 2000, where then he realised he just lost the will to live. You know, he's kind of like, you know, calling it in. But I always like Tony Schiavone. But it's just that those biscuits. No, give me Bobby Heenan and uh, Dusty Rose with him any day. And I think I, I like that team. Yeah. They're going to build up to like, but we've seen it already. And we see the setting of Nitro. It does look better than Raw, doesn't it, at the moment? Yeah, it looks a bit more expensive than Raw's. Yeah, it does. And a, a bigger arena as well gives that kind of, you know, a bigger feel. WWE was the yeah. number one company at this point but in time. But then again, well. WWF was in an ECW arena. And ECWs, I think they're a smaller fan base, and they was like kind of more surrounded, a, a lot more do- closer to the ring. Yeah, in- intimate. They had an intimate feel to it, yeah. didn't they? As opposed to kind of a, this... a, a bit like um, an NXT house show. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And uh, next match, we've seen Galaxy come out. Um, he looks like a Power Ranger. He <laughs> he does. He he really does, and he's coming out here. And uh, what do we know about him? Well, I'll tell you, Dan, he's more famously known as Damien666, did you? I didn't know. No, from Mexico City, Mexico. He's 55 now. His debut was in 1985. And he's he's worked for the WWE. He's worked for the... Oh! He worked for the CMWL, the AAA, the WWA, and a lot of other stuff as well. And his opponent, as you hoeing in the background, Dan... Yeah, it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And he's not got his classic blue pants. He is wearing yes. the WCW colours. He looks like a Cadbury's chocolate bar coming out. He does, <laughs> he does. indeed. <laughs> he looks like a dairy milk. He does coming out with uh, old glory, of course. Is it good to see Jim Duggan, Dan? I, I like seeing Jim Duggan, mainly for nostalgia. He looks aged. and you know He looks like shit. <laughs> looks like he's completely sold out. Going to WCW, making good bucks, easy bucks. Yeah, and he, you could say he is a um, a well-known name, isn't he, really? Yeah. You know, WCW at this time had a lot of these guys from wrestling in the 80s, basically. If you look at the, the, the WCW, the main eventers, Jim Duggan, Hogan, Roddy Piper, you know, people like this, all in the WF glory days. And Duggan started strong here on Galaxy. Oh, oh. and a high back body drop by Duggan. Still got it. Well, I tell you what, Jim Duggan has started this strong and now Galaxy's out of the ring. Are we going to see a high-flying move here from Jim Duggan? Well, it's Galaxy versus Cadbury. Battle of the Chocolate Bars. <laughs> Is <laughs> Duggan going to go for a suicide dive? <laughs> it looks like he might. Galaxy in big trouble. You see the fans trying to interact as well. Ooh. <laughs> you can't really call this action seriously, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, big uppercut. <laughs> oh, um, fucking hell. Yeah, I think Duggan, he's one of the classic wrestlers sticks to the staple of you know strikes hits throws irish whips yeah and then finishes it off duggan removed the uh mat at ringside and just slammed galaxy on it straight on concrete my god dan this little fella's gonna be in a lot of pain he is and i don't think he's had a bit of offense Oh, he manages to get a couple of kicks in, but Duggan's completely no selling that whatsoever. And he's just been slammed on a concrete floor. He he's has. Just... <laughs> How tough is Galaxy? And Duggan's still no selling. And then no. delivers a big right hand <laughs> and takes a little man down. Oh, big clubbing strike to the back. See, this is what Enzo reminds me of. Uh, <laughs> big Cass, sorry. You know, someone who... 
does move. It's like, you know, there's no strategy to it. It's just a big clubbing blow and a big throw to the corner and a big scoop slam. And, uh, you know. <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to Jim Duggan's offense in this match. No, he's not targeting a specific body part. No. <laughs> so again, you know, we like to play the old age game. Which of these would go anywhere? Well, I'm surprised if Jim Duggan would have lasted the 90s. <laughs> like, no offence to me, he's done well now, you know, in 2017. Uh, neither of these, if, at this point in time, if I, I would have switched over to the WF during this match. No, you know, the first hour of Nitro as well, they've, they've given us two matches so far. Nothing to stick by, but this match could be over now. Duggan going for the power stance, finishes up with a big clothesline and that could be it. Nope. He decides he needs to play dirty with some little man who is clearly unable to fight back. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, is he sending a message to Hulk Hogan? Tapes his fist up and delivers a big right hand to the head of Galaxy and pins him for the free. Well, what a one-sided horror show that was, Dan. That was just terrible. That was terrible. This is meant to be wrestling in its glory days. You know, people look back on the Monday Night Wars. They're like, right, lads, we're in a battle against WWF. We need a big name. And they're like, well, we've got a legend for you, an ex-WWF legend. They're like, yes, I'm interested. It's Jim Duggan. (laughs) We're going to put him in a classic match against, and you're going to love this, Galaxy. Poor Galaxy and Damien six 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 goes back to the independent circuits and he has more success in Mexico. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like you say, though, Jim Duggan not happy and Mean Gene on the microphone now catching Duggan on his way out and Duggan looks hyped. Yeah, and Duggan gets to talk about Macho Man joining the NWO and then he calls Hulk Terry. So you know he's shooting. He's shooting, Danny. Shooting. shooting. And now he's talking about the Special Olympics and Make a Wish Foundation. He will not quit, will he? I really, really wish he would quit, Dan. Hogan, you know I can beat your... Ah! Then he calls Macho a little man and calls the rest of the NWO jabronis. <laughs> he done it before The Rock. <laughs> he did. This was a shoot, Dan. Shoot, do you feel this here? You talk about the extremeness of ECW. Duggan there has just pipe bomb for the first time <laughs> nearly 20 years before CM Punk was to do it. My God. Well, you know, it, it all has to start somewhere, and <laughs> Duggan, clearly not happy. WCW 1997 was doing an international simulcast online with Spanish and Japanese commentary. WCW was always way ahead of WWE when it came to internet stuff, even up to the very end. In 1998, they were doing audio IPPVs, and in 2000, they were basically doing shoot podcasts, plus online voting for matches on TV. I remember the shitty WWF website in the 90s. WCW blew it away. And I have to wonder what they would have done with the internet had they stayed open after 2001. That is a very interesting point. And especially when you consider we're watching it on the WWE Network now as well. What WCW could have done before that, you know. And it's just a thing with maybe, you know, five years either way for their last time. You know, pay-per-views now aren't the most important things. You know, you talk about TV and advertising, but when you've got internet, it's like Ring of Honor or, or even TNA, you know, have got by these past few years on on these kind of things, you know. Well, they could have had the likes of NXT before it was NXT. And as I say that, they're promoting the online 
International Nitro Supercast. Yeah. And it's broadcast live as well in Spanish and Japanese. So even now, they've only started doing W pay views this year with the Spanish audio. So even back then, do you know what I mean? 20 years ago now, quite incredible when you think about it. The internet had pretty much just started out and, you know, the only thing on it was pretty much porn. And that so it is the glorious humorous. Oh, boo. He does actually look like a fat Bobby Roode. Hugh Morris does not look like a fat Bobby Roode. He does Roo. look like a fat Bobby Roode. He Roo. doesn't. Hugh Morris, I mean, for him to last the amount of time he did, only in WSW and minor success in the WF as well, wasn't it? You know, The minor success being That's Goldberg's right. first match. Goldberg's first match, yeah, in WSW. Right about that. But also, don't forget, he became a coach in NXT, Bill DeMott. And got done for bullying the wrestlers. So another great story <laughs> when it comes to uh, wrestlers. Hugh Morris, again, took liberties with a young talent. And WF had to do something about it. Even though, you know, that's how you learn the business. But Hugh Morris, for a big man, uh, could hit high, top rope moves, couldn't he? You know, moonsaults and such like. an early on agile big man. Yeah, exactly. And uh, part of the... Faces of Fear alongside or Kevin Sullivan's group, Dungeons of Doom, but with Kevin Sullivan as his manager as well, trying to get this young big man. I mean, with uh, potential, do you think Hugh Morris could have made it a little bit further than he did? No. Well, fair enough, and he's going against Joe Gomez. I mean, do you know who Joe Gomez is, Dan? I have no idea who Joe Gomez is. He is a jobber to the stars. He's the guys, he kind of guys that uh, get squashed on Saturday nights. He's quite lucky to be here on Nitro. And my God, he just hit an offensive move. Going to pin Morris. Oh, that looks like that pissed Morris off. They're, they're not really into selling these, the clear, better guy, shall we say. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they will not have it. Even if they're not in, they have not been in any trouble, have they, for, for at least, you know, especially Jim Duggan match and now Hugh Morris. Oh, oh and Morris gets rolled up, but easily kicks out straight back up. But a deep arm drag takedown, and Joe Gomez is starting to get a bit of control over the big fella. Oh, Gomez is showing that he can go, Mez, in this match. And uh, But having Hugh and Duggan back-to-back is death. Yeah, it is. You know, two no-sellers. I think it, the only thing would have been worse is a match-up between the two of them. <laughs> oh, God. The build-up was a Hugh Morris versus Jim Duggan match. No-sell on a pole match or something like this. But we're Nitro. We're into it. And i got to say, uh, considering this is WWE's heyday, I'm a little bit disappointed at the moment. Yeah, you know, um, they're supposed to be on the up-and-up. They're trying to win the wars, as we mentioned, and... The past two matches have been absolutely terrible. Well, the past three matches haven't been... No, and, and I don't know why not once did Raw beat WSW in the ratings in 97 because the people watching this must have just stuck with this to to get to like the main event storylines rather than even switching over to Raw. Because at this point in time, the ECW storyline with Raw is, is much more fun... Um, the ECW side of it, yeah. Yeah, it was like you we know, didn't know what was going to happen. You know, they showed up and all of a sudden... I think there's... Raw, uh, WWE is in... it's Without the ECW side of things, WWF is slightly ahead of it because, you know, with the likes of these old guys, they're trying to bring back nostalgia where WWF are actually trying to push it in a yes, newish direction. Yes, you're exactly right, yeah. Building towards the future with their stars. Where, you know, WCW have just bought all the stars from WWF. Yeah. Oh. And Hugh Morris up top. Hugh Morris with a big moonsault off the top and, yeah, beating Joe Gomez quite easily. <laughs> and that's what you would call a squash there, literally and figuratively. 
And let's hope the uh, pain is going. But I've just looked down at the next match. It's not getting any better. It's, it's really not uh, getting any better. Can't we watch Raw again? <laughs> I'd much more do that. <laughs> Benoit and Kevin Sullivan had a vicious feud going on through WCW. Uh, basically about woman as well. She used to be married to Kevin Sullivan and went to Benoit. And they brought the feud to um, WCW. And it was quite a good one. But it, it had that kind of vicious side to it. Well, Benoit, he was a very vicious wrestler, to be honest. Yeah, and Kevin Sullivan really brought it out. And like you say, the, the damage they took, you know, everybody is still in the hospital tonight. So we see a fan of Sting in the crowd. Uh, most definitely, yeah. And I think he's taking the Sting fandom to <laughs> quite the extreme. I think when he walks down the street, people go, cool, man. <laughs> You're so, so awesome. Yeah. Like... But then again, mid to late 90s, probably would have done. Actually, yeah, to be fair. Or yeah. they would have confused him for a goth. Yeah, you would have been like, you know, oh, fucking hell. All the following announcements have been paid by the NWO. X-Pac, a million dollar man there. Yeah. And, um, Promoting the NWO embossed denim jackets. This is a clever thing uh, WCW did with the NWO, was the fact if you didn't, the, the promotion for all the NWO seemed like they had paid for and sponsored it themselves with the clothing, everything like this. Even though it was WCW doing it, you still felt like they were, you know, the outsiders as it was. See, and another thing with the network, I will say this now, Show Sunday night ones, you know what I mean? A lot of action happened before Nitro started as well with this Saturday night show. And, and it would be good to go back and look at it. I found out an interesting fact the other day, Dan. Since the network started, the library has quadrupled. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that's an impressive little fact. I mean, yes, you have got all the live programs you've had since it started as well as stuff they've yeah, added, yeah. you know. So it must be half and half. And yeah, you know, they're showing stills from the match between Benoit and Sullivan and it certainly does look like a very brutal match. I mean, both women was involved as well. <laughs> but like I say, you see Jacqueline involved with the um, Kevin Sullivan match as well. She, she got into it. She put a beat down on one. Back to the action next match. We see the Parker coming out here. Had moderate success in WSW as the chairman of the company, Dan. Always used the chair. Uh, I think the Parker's best moment was when uh, he went up against Macho Man Randy Savage, I think, and uh, hit with the diamond cutter and pinned him. Then we realised it was Diamond Dallas Page <laughs> underneath. Uh, but no, this isn't the actual proper Parker. And he's going against the one and the only Teddy Long is managing this man. The Ice Train. The Ice Train. A man that we made a pact to never watch again. When we saw him, I think it was at Hogwild 96. <laughs> Look how fat Teddy Long looks. I know, He's fat Teddy really Long. Fat, fat chubby cheeks. Well, Ice Train is going to be in action. We've seen his matches before. He is awful. And of course, going against the Parker, the Parker, Mexican and... Maybe a cruiserweight, but big, big for a cruiserweight, isn't he? You know, what uh, I mean? he does big. look on the slightly large side. This is a rematch from the awkward match where La Parker killed himself and probably got concussion. Yeah, and Teddy Long got a uh, promo directed towards Jackie for some reason as well. They've ha- they've not had any interaction at all. So you see Teddy Long there, and oh, again doing what they did with uh, the raw thing, which at the time was just great. They got a promo happening. Picture in picture. Yeah, I mean, why? Why does Teddy Long need to talk about Jacqueline either? And this is going back to a time when televisions were really small. (laughs) Yeah. And they had really shit quality. (laughs) So not only was you struggling to see a tiny picture on a tiny telly, but it gets made even smaller. But Ice Train is taken over in this huge match. And I'm sorry, everybody that's been listening to this. These first four matches have been absolute garbage. But... 
Still, WWE winning the war this time. They went to number one. Oh, step up in Seguri from La Parker to the train. Oh, La Parker off the top. He's trying to be called off by La Parker now. Dives off the top rope at him. An ice train with a big reversal. Isn't a Parker kind of like a style (laughs) of coat? A Parker jacket. And a big slam from Ice Train, and that's got to be the end of La Parker. Well, the fans are all excited. You can see it. And he's pulling for the tugboat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he going to go for the hoe train? <laughs> he is. Oh. oh, he delivers the hoe train. Hit the ice train, son. That's it. <laughs> well, yeah, he was the godfather for the godfather now in trouble. Oh, a jawbreaker, though, from the Parker trying to separate the two. Well, I tell you what, though, La Parker's got a good offensive spinning heel kicks. <laughs> and, he <hits. laughs> and he delivers one there right on the button. So. Again, just for shits and giggles, La Parker, Ice Train. But that's an offensive question. Would any of them go anywhere? No. Teddy Long would be the most successful wrestler out of these three people. I know. And he'd go on to become a wrestler, uh, a, a referee in WWF, and then work his way up to become general manager. He would. Oh! Holla, holla, holla! And that was nice by La Parker there. We see the uh, spinning springboard over the top. And like you say, Teddy Long, yes, exactly. General manager, famous for making multiple tag team matches as well during his time with SmackDown and Raw. And, and, and Teddy had a history as well, of course, managing Doom back in the day with WCW. And a great time as referee as well. You know, I love Teddy Long referee. That's when the first time I was introduced with him, you know. Play on, player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. One player, two player. <laughs> you know, he used to make the counts like that. Got back to this hard-hitting action and Ice Train just took off the Parker's head there. He's not messing around anymore and he looks set to finish this small fella. He does. So would you rather have seen um, Galaxy go against La Parker? I can't believe how much shit WSW had on their roster at this time. If I was in accounts, even if I was successful, I would have gone through these wrestlers and been like, right, you don't need the first six. And a big slam. A, well, a big splash there from Ice Train finishing off La Parker and that's the three. For the big man. Well, big man with Teddy Long in his corner. And like you say, and the beast Teddy Long is not, not the That's secret. quite funny, though. Really off-putting. This. So after that debacle, which was Ice Train versus the Parker, Ice Train winning. Uh, what do you think of that match, Dan? Terrible. <laughs> Again, Ice Train, no selling. The Parker maybe recovering a bit too quickly from manoeuvres like we saw, you know, with the others. A terrible, <sighs> awful match. Trying to squeeze too much into like the whole show. They should cut down the matches by half, weed out half of the shit talent, and then just have the better wrestlers facing off together or you know against each other in longer matches. Yes, and um, but we hope now the car move because we're seeing Chris Jericho come out here in proper uh, little baby face Chris Jericho before his uh, heel turn, and he's coming out here with another great wrestler as well. Eddie Guerrero, yes, and these two themselves will go on to have some brilliant matches in the future. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. You know, the rivalry between the two, Eddie Guerrero, United States champion at this point in time. You know, and you look at WSW with the roster they had. We talk about the shit wrestlers here with the good ones. Gone. Saying Eddie Guerrero is US champion. Yeah. Who's current US champion? Chris Jericho. Oh, fucking hell. Thank you. So Jericho's the current United States champion. See Guerrero there. But the roster they had, though, with these guys, they should have done more with Jericho, Guerrero, Benoit. Built them up as main eventers. I mean, that's obvious, but now we're coming and seeing 
We've got Ming. <laughs> He's the master of the Togan death grip. He is. The faces of fear come with Jimmy Hart, the barbarian and toe as well. This is a fierce tag team match. And last night, Jericho and Guerrero had a match, didn't they, Dan? Uh, they did, yeah. They had a brilliant match at Super Bowl. Um, both men outperforming each other. And, yeah, you know, it was just a great match. And teaming together to go against the faces of fear. Yeah, well, this is a little bit mismatch on paper. Well, it's a bit mismatch in paper, size-wise, at this point in time. But if you look back on the career, you go, right, who's career would you rather have? Guerrero's and Jericho's or Barbarians and Ming? So they, they did break the mould, but they do look very young and, and very small, would you say? I mean, I don't want to confirm or deny that they... You know, Jericho, he's not too small, I'd say. You know, he's... Certainly cruiserweight size-ish, though. Yeah, like you say, the cruiserweight size at the moment, aren't they, you know? But it's weird to think that, you know, in the future, if you looked at these four guys, who would you have thought would have become world champion, Dan? I'd certainly say the cruiser size. But, you know, (laughs) again, I'd have thought they're probably a bit too small, though. Eddie Guerrero with his classic helo over the top. He is. Both men working on Ming for the moment. And he's got the uh, the attire as well. Oh, sorry, that's Barb, isn't it? Yeah, Barbarian in there now. Got Guerrero. (laughs) Fucking hell. And we just God. see the strength there. The porn star looking Guerrero <laughs> with his mullet and tash combo. Yeah, and even the singlet he's wearing as well. Do you know what I mean? The kind of just all-in-one type thing as well. He is a bit of a whore, Guerrero, to be fair, as he just gets powers back in a corner by Barbarian. But do you like Ming? I mean, you seem excited when you saw him. One of the big villainous heels that, you know, he's... Just a nasty bastard, really. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the earlier ones I remember. Yeah, and, and two legitimately tough guys as well. You talk about uh, Ming and Bar- Barbarian. You would not want to mess with them outside the ring or even in ring. They were the kind of acolytes of the WCW. <laughs> they kind of laid the law down. As uh, Eddie Guerrero just gets planted down there with a powerbomb. Ming, did he just drop to one knee? Do the Mahalo fucking Hawaii sign and go, ooh, <laughs> yeah, on well, Roman Reigns. Part of the uh, the family as well. Cousins, you know what they're like, the fucking Samoans. But Guerrero tags in Jericho, double teaming, getting a big back body drop. Oh, and Jericho with a running sent on that he'd pass on to Kevin Owens later on. Oh, And only a two count, though. Two, and Jimmy Hart in the Faces of Fears corner turned his back on Hogan, going with these two men. What do you think of Jimmy Hart as a manager? Brilliant manager. Loved him. He was, yeah, he was Jimmy Hart. He could talk when he needed to and run away and cower like a typical manager should. I think Hart worked better for me as a heel, as a face, because when he's a face in his Hogan's corner, he just seemed like a kiss-ass, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, yeah, Hogan's the greatest in the world, baby. Faces don't really need managers so much, though. No, that's true, Unless yeah. they're silent faces. <laughs> yeah. Big belly-to-belly overhead there from Barbarian to Jericho. Yeah, from the top rope, and Jericho's out of it. Oh. But Eddie putting uh, Jericho towards the ropes, lying, cheating, and stealing early on. Yeah, and Eddie's going to save his partner. Jericho just got squashed then. He's not in the best situation now. Personally, though, for Eddie Guerrero and Jericho, they seem the type that would probably be mid-carders. Like, you know, as in they'd not be able to get the elevation to the next level because of their size. Well, this is the problem. You know, Benoit was famously called by Kevin Nash a vanilla midget backstage. And, um, you know, these guys were put down by their size. They had done everything. as. Oh, 
crossbody off the top by Jericho, trying to get the pin, but managing to kick out. Oh, get stopped there. But they're done in thing, you know. They're the cruiserweight champions, United States champion, tag team champions. They're done all, all good, and it was only the next level main event. And because of the kind of the the way it was at the top, with the Nash and the Hogan's, you know, the Stings, they didn't let anybody else in. So yeah. that's what eventually hurt them. And you know, with Jericho going across to WF firstly in 1999 and making that jump, of course, Guerrero in 2000. I don't think anybody would have thought the success that each man have. You know, you think about Jericho became the first undisputed champion. I, I, you know, to beat Austin and Rock on the same night is something else. And even Guerrero beating Brock Lesnar, you know? And Jericho, fucking hell. Oh, it's like a pop-up to a powerbomb kind of thing between Ming and uh, Barbarian. That's like the Office of Pain, isn't it? That <laughs> is certainly, yes. Uh, going for a pin, but Eddie jumping in to break it up. Oh, my God. God. Jericho certainly looks in trouble, getting dragged to the middle of the ring. Well, this has just been... Every match has just been one guy beating the crap out of the other. And Jericho, unfortunately, has been this guy here. Big guys beating the smaller guys. It is. And Barbarian now on the second rope. Ming going up as well. Both men on the second rope. Dual attacks coming. <laughs> oh. A type of frog splash and a flying headbutt from... The faces of fear. Hey. And Eddie Guerrero <laughs> managing to save his partner. Well, Eddie, still in this match. But I don't like your chances if you do get the tag, mate. I mean, Jericho has really been mistreated here. The two wrestlers that would go on to have a career are definitely getting worked over by the bigger guys. They they really are. And, you know, this position time as well as we at, you know, February of 97, what they would become. At the moment, they're just being treated like a couple of, like say, little guys. Well, it wouldn't be long before Jericho makes the jump himself. But Jericho, when he went over, was treated like a star in WF. Yeah. Something they didn't do in WSW, but he's just hit the springboard moonsault there on Ming. Oh, yeah, hit the lion salt, but unable to get over and tag his partner. Insecurity Ming. Ming went for the elbow. Jericho moved, got the tag to Guerrero. Guerrero comes in really hot. Can he try and fire things up? Put no. a bit of Latino heat into it. Come on, Latino heat. Uppercuts and clotheslines, but is that just making Ming angry? Ming's certainly not selling. <laughs> Drop kick and oh. A big crossbody off the top and Ming is again getting up almost instantly. <laughs> kick by the toe. Tags oh. in his partner, Barbarian. Oh, he just runs through Jericho. Guerrero tries to take him out, but gets caught, but managed to deliver a drop kick on his way down. It is. That's fantastic by Guerrero. Now Jericho drop kicking Ming off the apron. You're going to see a double suplex. Bang. Hits Barbarian with a double. And this could Count be... it, ref. Come on. Oh, now Going Jericho. the line. So, oh, oh. as the rope snatched from underneath him, Malenko's out. Oh, Guerrero going to go fog splash, is he? Oh. Oh, gets pushed off into a big boat. Oh, come on. The Jericho's tracted with Ming on the outside. And Eddie Guerrero gets hit over the head by the referee while he's making the free count. <laughs> And gets pinned. So, insult to injury. Not only did Face of the Fear basically dominate the whole match, just when it like Guerrero might have some chance, outside interference <laughs> to stop that, you know? Yeah. So, I played Jericho and Guerrero. A, quite a good team, to be fair to them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'd, I'd love to see more of these two. And Jericho. Jer- they could have done. That's how good they were, you they know? They could have definitely fit in with that. If they wanted to be a team, they could have done. And it's just, it's it's power match. The success they had shows how great a work they was. To even have squash matches, you know, people look back at Guerrero and Jericho's career, they might forget this match. But this is one of the things they had to deal with and get through when you talk about, yeah. you know, working your way through. But again, they wasn't beaten clean. So, you know, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Guerrero still got a championship as well. And like you say, it saved them a little bit. Uh, but it's good that after, what, five matches, the first good match on Nitro. Yeah. Well, you know, the first, it's probably been the most exciting match of it. Yeah. Only yeah. yeah, we are, well, basically halfway through now. We're at a halfway point as we go to an ad break. So we are halfway through WCW Monday Nitro into the second hour. Dan, what have you thought of it so far? Um, yeah, Raw was good. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ECW element that they threw into it. Yeah, no, that was really good. But we've just had the Guerrero Jericho match versus Face of the Fear, which was the best match we've had so far. So we're hoping the second hour can really kick off into something special. As we see Tony Schiavone now, Larry Zbysko's left him. And they're joined by Mike Tanay and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Very, very good. I like Mike Tanay. Very, uh, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, and I think he's a very underrated commentator. He was used to WCW in the later years. Of course, famously with TNA as well. But the professor, I like Mike Tanay. Bobby the Brain, he's known for his quips. He was, he's brilliant commentator. Yeah, has not lost the will to live yet either. So still very entertaining. And uh, they're talking up the second hour, talking about... Called Super Bowl and the big storylines, you know, the NWO, all powerful, you know, empire like, I suppose, with Hogan leading the charge, Macho Man joining them. What do you think NWO at this point when it was just starting out, Dan? I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was better as it got a bit later on, to be honest. But, you know, they, all factions have got to start somewhere. So, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was an interesting storyline, to say the least. No, it, it really was. I think the problem is as well, especially late night seven, late night seven, is that everybody was joining the NWO, and then it merged into, like you say, the Wolfpack and that. But I think when you got like Scott Norton and people joined, it kind of gave it away. This point in time, still, you know, with the the founder members with Nash Hall, Six, Dibiase, and everything like that, it still felt special. And this is why, like I say, people were watching it for because of the the major angle, major, major angle, angle in the in the main event. You know, the NWO thing. Like we've seen so far, it's not been that great, but we're hoping it, it can improve. Of course, showing us what happened earlier tonight, just in case fans were tuning out, maybe, to watch Raw start. Indeed, and, yeah, you know, we go on to the next match. And, you know, if the last match was anything to go by, this next match should be a step up, at least from that. Yeah, let's hope so. See who's involved. And, oh, look, Juventud Guerrera. Oh, Juventud. I, I do like Juvi. Hoovy. And he's uh, in action, of course, the cruiserweight, part of the Mexicals. I mean, do, do you like Hoovy mask or no mask? It didn't really make too much difference. I think, you know, with their mask on, they're a bit more mysterious, shall we say. And, you know, it brings a different edge about them as well. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't matter as long as they're good in the ring. Well, speaking of mysterious, let's see the next guy. Peter Andre. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio Jr. A very young, untattooed Rey Mysterio Jr. Yeah, very, very small. And who would have thought we talk about becoming world champions, Dan? We've seen another one. One day, yes, he would be heavyweight champion. <laughs> heavyweight champion. Old guy, looks like he's half the size of Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> but it should be a good match, though. Rey Mysterio versus Juventus, the cruiserweights. Yeah. Well, these two, they've had a lot of matchups. About 300 is the camp between these two. You know, obviously not on... WCW because that would make things very boring. Yes, but they've they've been around um, different companies wrestling, haven't they, Dan? You know. Yeah, and you know both similar sizes and builds. It's a proper cruiserweight matchup, I think. Yeah, no, and this is the same that the cruiserweights do, and it should be used now. You know, back in the day, the cruiserweight division was something that separated it. 
the WWF and WCW. You know, we see the difference, haven't we? You well, know, the, WCW certainly had a lot of small guys, yeah. But they was primarily getting trounced by the bigger guy. If it w- was a mismatch in these statues, it's like, you know, going back to the last match, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho, yeah, there was a bit of foul play in it. But, you know, they were still getting trounced by the bigger team. But what makes the Cruiserweights special is that because it was their division, like you say, it was even matches between all these guys. You know, so Jericho, Guerrero involved, Malenko as well, people like Mysterio and uh, Psychosis. So this is what made the division great because nothing was like this, you know, back then. And even 205 and stuff, uh, the Cruiserweights nowadays could take a leaf out of their book. Do you know what I mean? They could be used on Raw in this position as opposed to just filler matches as it is. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can... They was... Certainly getting a talent from down south. It's like, you know, aside from Chris Jericho, who's from way up north. I mean, you know, it was primarily Lucha Libre style yeah. wrestlers. Yeah, and, and this is what, like I say, it made it special as well. But you've got to remember that Mysterio and uh, Juventud, you know, wrestled ECW, AAA in Mexico, like you're talking about, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And also, they would stay loyal, basically, to the WWE until it folded, wouldn't they, as well? Yeah. So, it had a lot of momentum on their side really nicely as well. But again, you know, would you have been able to pick one of these two guys to potentially go on and be a heavyweight world champion? No, that's what I'm saying. You wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought Mysterio at this point in time. You could have just literally flipped a coin and chose, choose, chosen one of these. Yeah, because well, Hoovy was impressive as well, like we say, you know. And slightly bigger than Mysterio, uh, especially, you know, if he lo- lost his mask and went with it, then his looks as well could especially gone further in the business but I think it's because of his ego as well and but even Mysterio though you know he lost his mask he could have carried on without his mask but instead he jumped ship to well WWE signed him and decided yeah. to put the mask back on and that was the best choice they did because it was the merchandise thing as well wasn't it you know and there wasn't anybody like Mysterio at that time in WWE if you look about it now you look at all the mask wrestlers on 205 and yeah. stuff oh there's uh, loads of them you know even Kalisto and Sin Cara and people like this Mysterio kind of helped that and be taken seriously, like we talk about the light heavyweight division at the, or what it would become in WWF. Yeah. It was nothing compared to the WWE Cruiserweights, and then they ruined it by putting up against big men when it was, you know, making it uneven. Like when Mysterio, remember when Mysterio beat Nash? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, strange things have happened, but GW and at this point, a majority of people would have turned over before the Eddie Guerrero Jericho versus Faces of Fear match, when the card really turned. A- corner yeah exactly and if you look at it now they, they just build on it i mean i guess that the first half for them probably a little bit throw away and you get the people's attention and then it's like the second hour yeah we're going to give you the, the good mess you know start off with a good wrestling match and it'll keep you hooked until we give you the main event as well but during this match it's been good i've got to say it's been the best match and yeah mysterio now fucking hell i could have sworn blind that i've turned over to 205 live or you know the cwc division during this match, you know, it is it is straight out of 205 Live. Uh, out, of, out of all the wrestling we've seen, this is the most... Uh, wrestling. Exactly. And it would be, wouldn't be out of a place, wouldn't be out of place 20 years later as well. No. You know, this could still be, like you say, on any wrestling show today. The Guerrero today. Jericho faces a fear match. That wouldn't have been out of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like right, Red yeah. Orphans are paying against DIY. It's yeah. similar kind of size up. Fucking hell. Oh, and a lovely <laughs> sunset flip and a roll-up by Hoovy to Mysterio, but only gets a two count. Two. Mysterio nearly folding it up. It's been really good wrestling between the two. We've seen Mysterio head scissoring, moving to the ground on the outside as well. Both been trading. Mysterio in precarious position. 
Okay, it's a baseball slide and sent tumbling to the outside again. Hoovy looks like he's going to go suicide, dive through the middle ropes and straight into Mysterio. Little Ray Ray's in trouble. He is, and Hoovy trying to get the crowd into it as well, the juice. I cannot confirm or deny if he was on the juice, but... Uh, not at this point, I don't think he was, <laughs> no. but probably during his transition from WCW to WWE, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and Mysterio as well, he, he grew fucking four sizes in muscle. Hoovy springboard now. Oh, Mysterio catches him. Powerbomb. And now he's calling for his move. The West Coast pop. Mysterio. Oh, Hits the West Coast pop. There we go. Free. But the West Coast pop, like I said, getting the victory. Mysterio, impressive there. And quite easily the best match we've seen out of everything, I think. Most definitely, yeah. Certainly the most exciting. It was over a little bit. Yeah, that, that's fair, but, yeah. you know, I could have done with another at least five minutes. Would have been nice. We could have cut out the first couple of matches and just had this guy about 20 minutes. <laughs> that, yeah. that would have been... And then... F- Followed by Eddie Guerrero and Jericho versus Face of Fear. Yeah, just have a couple of segments. But not bad match. Mysterio gets the win. Yeah. 1-800-collect James. Phone it. I will. Phone it, James. Phone beep, it. Beep, 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 beep. Ring, ring. Hello, Lee Marshall. Hello, Lee Marshall speaking. <laughs> I can hear you, Lee Marshall. I can hear you too, Lee. So during this time as well, because of, like I say, it's just the advent of the internet, pay-per-view was the, the main brand, of course, TV revenue from TNT, such places like this, the fans... But also, at this point in time, the 1-800 numbers, the Mean Gene hotline, WCW hotline, the Hogan hotline, you know, it was the main one of the main money makers as well. Because I don't think... T-shirts. Yeah. Merch sales wasn't as much as our today. I mean, John Cena's got about 10 different merch sales. The New Day, again, another 10. And then they've got the Money in the Bank briefcases, the replica titles and... Every offshoot you can. Exactly. Every wrestler has got a T-shirt now, as opposed to back in the day, it was only the top stars, really, who had a T-shirt or a toy of themselves, didn't they? You know, you look at the, um, what are they called, brawling buddies. You only had, like, Hogan Warrior and a couple of other. Yeah. Same with the shirts as well. That's why they had more supporters and followers. Yeah. So here comes Pat Tanaka. Coming out to Bill Goldberg's (laughs) music. Goldberg. Goldberg had it in debut at this point. So about, Goldberg took Pat Tanaka's music. <laughs> Do you reckon when he had his first match, they're like, oh, fucking hell, Pat Tanaka's here again. <laughs> yeah. Like this fucking bald-headed bloke with a goatee comes out through some sparklers. Fucking hell, yeah. Well, he's going to be in action, Pat Tanaka, that is, versus the WWE TV champion. But this is Prince Ikea coming out. Uh, Prince Ikea, of course, last night in action... Defended this title against Ultimo Dragon, I think it is. Prince Arcade defeated Rey Mysterio. Oh, wow. Prince Arcade. <laughs> We've just seen Mysterio <laughs> in action. Now Prince Arcade was victorious over Mysterio. Going against Pat Tanaka. Uh, what do we know about Pat Tanaka, Dan? Uh, well, Pat. Uh, he was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. American wrestler. He wrestled <laughs> in the AWA as one half of Bad Company. And the WWF as half of the Orient Express. Ah, do you know him now? Yeah, he's son, yeah, and his career spanned almost more than three decades, didn't it? And like you say, work for all these companies, ECW, CWA, and JPW. And he's here, and you see his style as well. More karate type at the moment, isn't it, you know? And he is certainly a Steven Seagal. He is, and he's going against Prince Arkea, who would you maybe call a young Steven Seagal, you know? Because he's got that kind of look about him, hasn't he? He's certainly got the upper body build as well. He has, and he's just been taken out. But Prince Ikea would last in WWE quite a long time and would become the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea 
in early 2000 where he dressed up basically like Prince. Uh, but held the Cruiserweight title, like I say, TV champion as well. Never really made it. Could you see any of these two guys becoming heavyweight champion? I don't know. If any of them, it'd probably be Pat Tanaka. I mean, you know, he's... I don't know, it's that gimmick, but even even Prince R.K., you know, he's... If you had a toss-up between him and Rey Mysterio... I suppose, yeah. I mean, I like my wrestlers to wear boots. I mean, that's that's one of my, my things anyway. Both of these blokes barefooted. Uh, Prince R.K. definitely is. No. He's got trainers on. Pat Tanaka's wearing white trainers. Don't you see that? <laughs> oh, Prince R.K. Hello. Oh, oh, catches him. Powerbomb. Don't even go for the pin. Look. Steven Seagal's crazy. Oh, ch- championship on the line and R.K. managed to kick out. Oh. Well, they've gone down again, haven't they? They, they started, we thought we were going to have quite a good It started picking up for a couple of matches, but oh, big Samoan drop there from R.K. Well, is he going to springboard back in now? Oh, Springboard sumo drop. <laughs> yeah, now he's, going, drop. now he's going to the top. Or maybe this match will be over before it's even started, Dan, if we can hope. Wow, that'd be nice. Tanaka's getting up. Ayakaya oh, across body. Oh, could this be it? Two, three. Yeah. And Ayakaya wins the match with a cross body. It is over and done with. And all your cool little moves, Ayakaya. And I didn't even think that was possible that he could win a match with a crossbody off the top rope, but it just proves why he's goddamn TV champion, Dan. You know, to really... defend his TV title, yeah, he has to put out all the stops going from the top with a cross crossbody. Exactly, and you hit the crossbody, it's over and done with. Like I say, beat Mysterio, beat Tanaka. The future's bright. For mark my words, night night seven, it's going to be Prince Ike. A lot of year. potential. Yeah, a lot, a lot of potential. To carry on, but that match was over for it. Like I say. That match wasn't offensive in any way. No, it was over as quickly as it started. Good point for us. So we can move on to more action. Oh, look who it is. He is our friend. He is our friend. And, you know, we can call him Ultimo. Some people call him Ulti. Some well, people... I call him Ulti, let me. Yeah, some people call him Ultimate. Some people call him Ultimo. But everybody... Called... And I mean everybody... <laughs> yeah. Calls him Dragon. We've been actually coming out with Sonny Ono. Oh no! Now I've been prepping a lot for the controversial characters that we're going to do later on in the year. Sonny Ono is one of those good guys on the list as well. Apparently, in WWE, was told to be to ham up being Japanese. Basically, I thought he was rubbery. Yeah, exactly. Bit more, bit more slanty. They said, bit more. Uh, you know, going proper Japanese, throwing assault. You know, like Mister Fuji times ten. Oh fuck me, Fuji. Yeah, yeah and he's coming out of Dragon. So Dragon's a hill, and here comes. Stinko Malenko. Uh, Team Malenko, the Iceman, Dan. The Iceman cometh. Team Malenko, one of the greatest technical wrestlers. How many moves does he know, Dan? How many? He knows over a million. He knows over a million holds. It's a thousand. It's a thousand, everybody. And last oh, night, no. Team Malenko versus six. Dan, who won that match? Six. Six won. Six won last night, thanks to the NWA. For NW. the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, so. And Dean Malenko lost it. So Malenko lost the title last night thanks to the NWO shenanigans at ringside. So this is Tech Contenders match? I think that would be fair enough to say. Maybe in theory, perhaps. Yes. I think Dean should be number one contender regardless because he lost his title and he's due a rematch straight away, and, isn't he? And he knows all their moves. But no, it's good to see Dean Malenko and the Ultimo Dragon. A very technical match. We've seen a lot of cruiserweight action the past couple Again, of Again, another match. That, Matches. <laughs> another match that would... Hopefully, you'd think the potential of the two wrestlers would have a good place in the CWC as well. Most definitely. 205 Live or something. I'm know. surprised that Ultimate Dragon maybe wasn't called for uh, 205. 
when you consider he, he's still working at this point, isn't it? I mean, we saw him how many couple of years ago couple now? Of years ago? Yeah, a couple of years ago in Sitball. And he's in action now against Dean Malenko. I mean, Dean Malenko, I think, had a lot of potential. Who do you thought at least two perhaps could have a brighter future? Malenko. What do you think held Malenko back? I think his height. A bit character-wise, uh, but personality. Uh, yeah, he was, he was really dull as well. I mean, you know, he was transferred over a similar time as Benoit, uh, Guerrero, Jericho, you know, like all in that similar era. So, and, you know, obviously Benoit developed a character, Guerrero did. You know, everyone else that was around him developed their characters and Malenko was, you know, just always trying to pull out the same tricks. I mean, you know, you could probably see him trying to pull this trick 10, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, we were with a handshake, the clothesline. But I think Malenko is one of the few guys, like you say, who came over. He probably had more success in WCW than he did in WWF when he did move. You know, yeah. you look about Cruiserweight title, United States Championship. Was involved with the Four Horsemen as well, so that's quite a big thing. Yeah. Whereas in WWE, even I think he had one good match against Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you know you could probably count the number of good matches he had on one hand. Uh, Radi- uh, no, the Radicals. Radicals, yeah. But you know, aside, even Perry Saturn had more of a character than he did. You <laughs> yeah. know, he was an awful wrestler. He did. He had that um, that skinny thing next to him, didn't he? Uh, Mop. Uh, Terry. But back to the action and Dragon, you see with his kicks, he knows how to use them. But Dean Malenko now, with the strikes, he's just throwing Dragon out of the ring. Oh, my Dragon, he's certainly got a lot of speed to him. Yeah. Especially at this young age. Yeah, and Malenko, I tripping him into the barricade. Ain't going to help him, you know? It ain't going to help. It's going to keep the high flyer grounded, James. Malenko getting the upper hand on Ultimo Dragon, going for the pin. Oh. Only a two count, and that referee two. looks like a tall. Well, Mark, well, do you know, Mark Curtis, that referee there, would die of cancer a couple of years later, Dan. Mick Foley mentioned it in his uh, book, Have a Nice Day, as well. But have a nice day. It's nice to know you can have a go at him, and at least he's taller than Dean Malenko, so that's a bonus. He is the tallest man in the ring. <laughs> Even though he is a tiny dude. Uh, yeah, Malenko's meant to be a, an emotionally dead guy, but he shows a bit of emotion in the match, doesn't he, Dan? He gets pretty pissy pretty often. He does, and he's being taught how to wrestle now by all my dragons got him in a submission. And look at this beautiful submission by Dragon. I mean, he had him in the back leg lock, then turned it over, the kind of STO-type manoeuvre. I bet Malenko didn't know that one. No, Malenko's in serious trouble here. The man for a thousand holds get taught a lesson by the man who once held 13 championships at one time. Oh, double underhook by Malenko, though. Oh, hits the power bomb. Not going for a cover. Well, delayed it. And maybe that delay cost him the victory in that one. Indeed, James, yes, and he only got a two count there. Two. Malenko there trying to tie up tie up Dragon, but Ultimo had the wherewithal, span him round and threw him out the ring. It did look like he's going for the abdominal stretch, now up in the apron. Oh, springboard kick. <laughs> didn't uh, even get anywhere no, near him. But drop, drop kick didn't hit him, not at all. 619 by Ultimo Dragon and slides through the rope, takes out Malenko and skins the cat to make his way back in. Uh, kind of making up for the drop kick not hitting now dragging to the top oh cross body and we've seen how devastating this move can be earlier on in the night when someone hit one from the top rope and won the match for his title but I think Sonny's going oh no now his client's in trouble in this match nothing he can do Malenko's struggling to get to his feet can Dragon get the victory here I mean like you say if Dragon wins I'm sure he'll be next in line for the Cruiserweight Championship. Now he's back in with the knees. Malenko reverses. 
And Jagger now. Oh! Beautiful Corona turned him inside like going for the pin. Oh, Malenko managing to reverse it. Going for the pin on Dragon, but Dragon managing to kick out. Ah. Truck toehold takedown there for Ultimo Dragon on Malenko. Going for the cover again, but only a two. Two. Can't keep Malenko down no matter how many times he tries that pin combination. Looks like each guy has the other one's number maybe evenly matched as Dragon with the chops. Oh, my God. Dragon. I know this sounds quite obvious, but this is probably the best wrestling match I've seen of the night. Yeah, it has been. As Dragon goes for the handspring elbow, gets caught by Malenko with a German suplex, but taking his time going for the pin. No, he's going for a choke. It's been the best pacing. They've given yeah. it enough time now. We know what's going on. Well, is he trying to take the mask off of Ultimo Dragon? Well, again, meant to be emotionless and getting his Dragon's face about it. Oh, Sonny Ono on the apron now, though. Malenko punches him off. And the referee calls for the bell for Malenko choking the dragon. So that's my dragon does win, but in retrospect, he's getting choked out. Yeah. And Sonny's doing nothing to help his man. So who's the real winner? And like you say, Malenko trying to... Is he seeing Six's face as he's choking out Aren't my dragon there? Oh, maybe. He looks towards the fans and Sonny Ono, like you said, his man might have got the victory. Might have won the battle, but did he lose the war there? Oh. And again, another screwy finish. It was. Did that ruin the match, the end of it? Definitely. I mean, it would have been good for someone, you know, Dean maybe getting a crafty pin or something, you know, like having a bit of foul play, ripping the top turnbuckle off, getting a hit then. But me, Gene's going to have a few words to say to Dean Malenko. I mean, he just choked a man out, for God's sake. Well, yeah, of course, Dean is pissed. At the lack of respect he's been getting lately. And he's more pissed at Eddie than Six. He just doesn't care anymore. Oh, wow, we're getting fireworks, Dan. Dan, we're getting fireworks. We're getting fireworks. Oh, no. It's me. It's me. It's Diamond Dallas Page Yoga. He is. And this time, well, not really into yoga at the moment because he's coming out with a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> and it's a lot as well. I know. He's, it's literally smoke. He just doesn't care, you know. He just doesn't care, DDP. Uh, is it good to see him? No, see, I look quite like DDP. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, I quite like it, No, he was quite an entertaining character. You know, not really the greatest of wrestlers, but certainly tried. Yeah, well, he started old, didn't he? I mean, he started at 35 and it wasn't at that point. You, you really passed your best as it comes to wrestling. But he had a successful night last night at Super Bowl, didn't he? He beat Buff Bagwell. Yeah. So he's on a roll at the moment. And the only guy, Dan, DDP's the only man who never joined the NWO. Never, ever, ever. And he also shagged one of the Nitro girls. He did. Well, I should go my point. When I say, well, Bruno Sammartino never joined the NWO. What I meant was DDP. John Cena never joined the NWO. I know, I know. Randy Orton never did. I know. Anybody, what I meant was, NWO at that point in time, where you could join the NWO. Goldberg didn't. Goldberg didn't. All right, apart from Goldberg, DDP is the only man who didn't join the NWO at some point in time. Uh, we see DDP in action against Squire David Taylor. Yes, and he is in his hunting safari gear. Oh, I don't understand that at all. The Blue Bloods never broke up. That was a team with Regal and Taylor. Carry on. Well, we'll bring back in, what was it, 2007, 2008? Uh, uh, I remember a Dave Taylor wrestling in, you know that British wrestling DVD yeah. uh, video? 
It's the same Dave Taylor. This guy's been around for a very long time. And like you say, it's been around in present future. But look who's coming out, Dan. The fans have gone crazy. It's Paige. has got David Taylor out. It was Kevin Nash. Oh, oh. TKO to him. We see the outsiders coming out. And like you say, Dan, Paige hitting the diamond cutter there on Dave Taylor. He's not going for the pin, though. He's had problems with Nash and Hall. Want him to join the NWO. So what are Nash and Hall going to do? We've been waiting all night to see these main eventers. And now the outsiders surrounding the ring with DDP. David Taylor's gone. <laughs> Dave Taylor made his way out there. He hightailed it. Yeah, the best way to do it. Two and one. Always sneak attack for the NWO. Oh, and talking of sneak attacks, Macho Man is coming from behind. Well, <laughs> the newest member of the NWO. And does he? Does Paige know that Macho's slowly walking to the ring, Dan? He doesn't, no. <laughs> And what's Macho Man got in his hand? Oh. A can of paint and he's just taken him out with it. Oh my God, yeah, he's just knocked out Paige. And they're celebrating their attack. I think they're all probably a bit worse for wear at this point. There's a fan who's just got in the ring. And he's getting beaten up now. <laughs> <laughs> and Scuttle completely misses and gets his foot tangled up in the second rope. Well, security worked well there, didn't it? <laughs> One guy got in. Yes, that was Dom Stewie back in the day anyway, so. Oh, but they've got the spray paint now back to the wrestling. I don't even know what that's meant to say. I think Macho Man's pissed up. Well, I think NWO maybe, but Macho can't spray paint properly. And now the outsider's just working over. Look at Macho. Oh, he gets given his NWO black and white vest, and he's officially a member. And this is what NWO did, just went around beating all the baby faces up. Indeed. Never, never once did anybody really stand up to him. Turning Paige over so they can't see the awful tagging that Macho Man done on the back of him. And he's going to deliver one of his patented big elbows from the top, maybe? I think he is. Do you think Nash was going to spray paint the NWO on the front? Just redo it. Big elbow. Add an insult to injury. Very happy to be a part of the group. As we continue Nitro after this ad break and one attack and then the main event guys, like we say, the NWO is here and they're still in the ring as we get back. Macho Man looks ecstatic that he's part of the NWO. <laughs> That's a bit better, <laughs> Macho, well done, mate. But yeah, we saw Razor Moe saying, hey, yo, and I guess this is Macho's official welcome party. Hogan and Macho Man teaming up. Who would have thunk it? Well, even though it makes no sense the at mega all. mega powers. Even though it makes no sense at all for Macho to join the NWO. Because like you say, even though the Mega Powers, Hogan turned on Macho. Macho was a guy who got beaten up by the NWO when they first turned at Bash of the Beach as well. So maybe Macho's just thinking, if they can't beat them, join them, you know? So Hogan's very happy with himself. I suppose he is. You know, the NWO, like I say, huge at the moment. And at least Scott Hall is wearing the world title at the moment. It's the only time we get to wear it, but do you notice they're all probably so fucked up that they've got sunglasses on because their eyes are just yeah bloodshot. they've gone yeah you know it's like no no people call wearing sunglasses no it's not it's because look at the state of them Bischoff and Dibiase coming out oh my god and Miss Elizabeth wearing an end up little black dress well the little black dress and she is part of the team now. Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth what, back together. What could possibly go wrong with that? Oh, he's trillionaire. Trillionaire. <laughs> so exactly, he's even he's worth more. A he's trillion a trillion dollar man. He's the one who funded. Yeah, he's the funded NWO to begin with. 
the reason why they could attack WCW. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the trillions of dollars he was pumping in. And of course, we know six as well, Cruiserweight Champion, part of the NWO. So basically, you can be part of the NWO if you used to be part of WWF or Eric Bischoff. Yeah, the uh, and the giant. That was the only one that didn't make sense oh, yeah. when he joined, because it was like, they're the main event players, Dan. You know what I mean? They're the guys we've just seen in the ring there. They're the main hills of the company. And even though we've got the main event, as it was left, those are the main guys. So we're going to compare and contrast to Raw at the end of this as well. But on Raw, we didn't see a couple of people, did we? We didn't see Steve Austin. We didn't see Bret Hart, Michael. So no, no. maybe the NWO delivering every week is going to help. But again, they've not actually had a match. None of the NWO have had a match. No. They've just been seen, haven't they? They've not yeah. been heard. They're just they're talking about them. So is it a good way of doing things, maybe? Like, you know, you... You're leaving it so people can anticipate when they are actually in action. It maybe means more. But Sherry Martel now bringing out Harlem Heat, Booker T, Stevie Ray, and they're going against. I wonder what team. Oh, it is Lex Luger and the Giant. A very unlikely pairing, but one's giant in muscles and one's giant in height. Uh, well, last night at Super Bowl, Dan, who could forget what happened? They beat the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, so for the titles. You, you don't see the Outsiders lose very often. The last night, I say Luger and the Giant doing it. WSW's dream team, their only hope. Giant had already been let go from the NWO at this point in time. So, working well with Luger. Do you see potential in the tag team there, Dan? Well, you know, Big Show's teamed up with everyone, so why not Lex Luger? <laughs> yeah, that's better than how many tag team titles he's held. Futures for them, who do you see as champions? I think Stevie Ray looks the more out of Harlem Heat. Right. Uh, probably Lex out of uh, the Giant and Lex, even though the other two would actually go on to win heavyweight titles and the other two wouldn't. Yeah. But the Giant at this point is still young. You know, he's only yeah. been around a couple of years and given so much, you've got to forget about his age. And I don't think the, now Big Show hasn't been in the shape he is in this match. Do you know what I mean? Like, he actually looks like he could wrestle. But we see Eric Bischoff coming out here. Bishop looks really young here, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Uh, no, not great. Not not worried. He's on top of the rest. There we go. Top of the rest of the world. You see important members like Scott Norton there as well, like I was talking about earlier. He's your favourite, isn't he? Yeah, Virgil. Who can forget Vincent? Vincent. Yeah. Buff Bagwell as IRS there as well. So Bischoff needs the NWO there just to back him up a little bit, I suppose. Since Lex was not cleared and used his cast to win the titles, Giant Lex is stripped of those. And Lex agrees to relinquish the titles as long as the NWO puts all of their titles on the line at Uncensored. Bishop agrees to this. I think Lex is kind of a dipshit to take Bishop. <laughs> Another match that didn't happen. Yeah. Well, Lex, <laughs> we'll see what happens. So Lex Luger wants them to put all their titles on the line. Will it happen? Then again, giant Lex Luger, Steve Ray, Booker T. Not a bad foursome. I know they're outnumbered by the NWO, yeah. but a couple other people's help, you know. But again, probably their best, what, 10 guys in the industry at the moment, none of them wrestling. <laughs> no, we've not seen, we've not seen any mate up. The biggest star at this point in time, I would say, out of everything, would be The Undertaker on Raw. You know, don't get me wrong, Jericho Guerrero would become great stars, but, you know, I think Undertaker at this point, and Raw still weren't winning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as Bischoff takes the titles away from Luger and the Giant. And gives them back to the Outsiders. So even when the Outsiders lost, they still didn't lose. <laughs> yeah, basically. 
But then again, Eric Bischoff is part of the NWO. Yeah. So he can basically do what he wants, you know, he's evil boss. And I think this is the NWO's problem. They kept doing this. Do you know what I mean? A year of yeah. this is fine. Two years, three years, and then people are just going to get shit every week, you know? Oh, Sting's coming down and he's got a baseball bat with him. <laughs> oh, Sting. As his tag team partner. We don't know what side Sting is on. Certainly dressed for the NWO black and white. He is indeed. Well, he disappeared, didn't he? You know, the, the Sting that we know love, bleached blonde hair and stuff. After the NWO arrived, been in the rafters ever since. Now he's in the middle of the ring. What side is Sting on? Well, he's in the middle right now, James. He really is. <laughs> of this war between WCW and the NWO. What's it going to be, Stinger? Hogan's hugging Sting, trying to get a response out of him. Well, does Sting like it? You know, Hogan's saying, yeah, you're part of the team. Well, the NWO have certainly accepted him and he's standing with him. Oh, no. No, Bischoff. Bischoff's got Sting. The NWO is going to win. What's going to happen? Well, it's all over now. NWO have just won everything. And that is how we end Nitro number 76. And that makes me want to watch Nitro 77, Dan. I don't know about you. I'm I'm ready for it now, Guy. I can't believe that. Uh, It ends and we've not a match to talk about. In either of them, DDP match or the Harlem Heat match, no matches there to say how good it was. So we'll go overall. What do you think of Nitro by itself overall? Terrible. Yeah, um, aside from two good matches, and one of them, you know, it had a bit of a weird finish to it, but, you know, it's it wasn't all that great. No, sorry, I'll say three yeah, goodish three, matches. You've got, you got to give the... The Malenko, Ultimo Dragon, Mysterio... Juventus. Hoovy and... Uh, the tag match as the well. The tag match, yeah. yeah. Again, like Raw, all the matches with any... So um, they finished in screwy ways. Yeah. Do you think that was a point in time, though, that they had to... Because if, if you were giving away, you know, or having clean finishes with big matches, Raw or Nitro, you're giving it away for, because the pay-per-view was important for them as well, weren't they? So they were like, well, at pay-per-view, you'll see no none of this going on. You'll have clean finishes. Not with WSW, but maybe the WF ways of thinking, you know? Yeah, but you're right now and then but every match you know it seemed to have like you know with Malenko pushing someone off the top rope uh, Eddie off the top rope into a big boot or if it's you know the outsiders coming down during the DDP match and yeah. spray painting his back it's... yeah but I quite I quite like the NWO bit when it when they showed up even though you waited a lot for it like kind of sting storyline what side is he on wasn't really explained and yeah. we, we did see you know the all NWO there how happy they were about what happened last the night. The storylining is a lot better than WWE. Yeah. But the wrestling, it's, you know, aside from the Cruiserweight matches, it was all mismatch and quite terrible. Well, let's go through our five-point system then that we always do. We go Nitro 76 versus Raw 198. Both two hours long. We both saw, you know, uh, the matches involved. So we talk about the show at the end. So the segments, what was the better segments out of the two shows? Raw or Nitro? Night right. So Nitro wins for you. For me, I got to say, I the segment with the ECW bit involved yeah. in the Raw. I think the they were better than what we had. And then again, I like Nitro as well. I can say Raw because ECW storyline it brought something different to the normal boring Raw. With yeah, well, sorry to oh. interrupt, but with WCW, it's 
points that they confer from with the ECW, it's basically going to stop there. And it was ECW versus ECW. If it was, you know, like a, a pay-per-view and it was ECW versus Raw, I think that probably would have worked a lot better. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Giving it more time as well and actually having it. It felt like an ECW invasion, but they could have made it a whole lot better. And like we talked about at the time as well, the problems that they had. But it's ego thing as well, isn't it? Because obviously, WF want to be bigger than ECW. They wouldn't want to lose in their own ground. No, exactly, yeah. Well, what was better matches, Raw or Nitro? The Raw itself matches was worse than Nitro, but the ECW's probably slightly pipped the Cruiserweights. Right. In, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so you're going for Raw on that one, yeah? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go Overall back. Overall wrestling. Overall wrestling yeah. for me, I'm going to go for Nitro just because I I liked the the, the one match, Malenko and um, Dragon, even though it shitty finish as it was. I think the length of it pleased me more than anything else that I saw on Raw. If these W matches are given a little bit more time, yeah. I, think, I think they try to cram a lot of things into it. So I think the quality on Nitro was slightly better. So I'm going to say Nitro on that one. Commentary team. What was the better commentary, Dan? The second half of Nitro with Bobby the Brain, Tony Schiavone and Tene. I think that was probably the better one. I say, you're going Nitro. Believe it or not, I'm going to go Raw. Of course I've got to go Raw. Yeah, you got Vince McMahon. you got Vince McDowell on there. you got uh, Jody King Lala. And, of course, Paul Heyman joins it. And that triple threat there, 97 at the time, for me, is better than uh, most things. The setting, what was the better setting for each one? What what looked better? I don't know. I did like the closeness of the ECW. And, you know, it was more on top of you. You can get more of a crowd reaction. But you can get more in the Nitro arena. So I'm going to go WWE. You can go Raw. All yeah. right. Uh, for me, of course, I'm going to go Nitro because I like it setting. Say, bigger arena, uh, big, bigger feel as well. The ring, the, the way the ring looked as well, it was more polished, the entrance way, uh, the graphics and stuff like that as well. I thought Nitro did win out there. Uh, the roster, who had the better roster? What on, on Either on show or what it was at the time. You can decide either way because we didn't see a few guys, did we? But what was the better roster, Dan? Are we including the ECW guys in it as well? Yeah, include what we watched tonight between the two. Uh, probably Raw. And why Why Raw? Just because of the ECW guys? Um, I don't know. Along with some of the ECW guys, I mean, namely Rob Van Dam, uh, you know, and the up-and-coming talent as well that was going through WWF and what they'd become. Yes, but if you look on a WCW roster, you saw that as well with Jericho with Guerrero, with Mysterio involved Yeah, but also well. throwing into the mix a load of has-beens, like IRS, yeah. Million Dollar Man, Hogan, Macho, Duggan. Oh, wow. Whisper. You, you call them, you call them, uh, you call them has-beens. I mean, Hogan, Macho Man, you know, at this point in time, they weren't that has-been. They were on top of the, the war as well, throwing Kevin Nash with that. What Scott would you, Hall, ra- what would you team, rather have, giant. What would you rather have, an old Hogan or a young Triple H? At this point in time, you'd have Hogan, uh, uh, Hogan over Triple H, but you've got potential. A young Chris Jericho is better than a young Triple H, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, that's what the argument is, isn't it? Um, I think I WCW, I think because Nitro had so many people as well, I think the roster on WCW was slightly better, even though there was some gash. But don't forget, new Blackjacks. We saw the 
Savio Vega involved in Raw as well. You know, Mark Mero. But overall, then, hang on, <coughs> let me work. So we've got the show. Which show was better? But let's work out the points quickly. Five all. So it's five all. So the show. What show was better? Was it Nitro or was it Raw, Dan? For you, what show was better? If the question was which would I watch, if I had the choice of watching one next week, it'd probably be Nitro. Because with the Raw, it was kind of like a one-night-only thing and, you know, it probably wouldn't happen again for a long time. Yes. Uh, and I would agree with you. If we were watching Nitro 77 after we'd just seen the main event here, that's fine. But that segment does not make the episode. On Raw, you had the ECW invasion that we had, that we knew about. The matches that took line, like I say, for the night made a lot more sense than Nitro did. Even though we're coming off a of pay-per-view, both shows are coming off pay-per-views, I felt Raw made it more that you wanted to watch what you're watching in front of you. And with Nitro, it's like, yeah, well, you know, we've got these matches on. Watch Raw if you want. Just come well, back you to could, the main event, you know. You could see that Nitro was probably not interested in rematch clauses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, definitely not interested in rematch clauses, and yeah, you know, um, oh, uh, it is quite entertaining. Even though they are a load of has-beens, it is quite entertaining watching the NWO and you know, seeing how they're adding to their ranks and you know becoming a force. And then they've even got a few wrestlers that are starting to stand up to it now. And you got the Sting. You're like, oh, which way is this one going to go? Yeah. So you know, in far in. In terms of storyline, I think the storyline progressed better on Nitro than it did on Raw. Yeah, but this is the thing. And if it was like, what pay for you going to watch next? Uncensored, 97 or WrestleMania 13? I'll probably go for Uncensored because then you could see everything that's happened on Nitro. Plus you get longer matches and better storylines. Yeah. As opposed with Raw, I want to see next week just to see uh, if, if Austin would show up as well. Whereas WrestleMania... With WrestleMania 13, there was no matches that really struck out. You know, you you know, you want to see Hogan, you want to see the Sting thing sort out in WCW, yeah. and that probably will only happen on pay per view as opposed to on Nitro. So Raw wins the night. Then Raw wins the Monday Night Raw, seven points to five. It finally wins something in this time period. So the February 24th edition of Monday Night Raw beats the February 24th edition of Monday Night Show. WWE wins. Another victory, even though at this point WWE winning, Nitro still can't win. So maybe the next time we do this, we'll see if Nitro can actually get a victory. But in my opinion, majority of Nitro is old. They're trying to bring the old names, you know, yeah, to where they was in WWF as opposed to WWF. They've, you know, I don't know whether it is any through any fault of their own have lost their major stars, major stars, major stars. And, you know, they've had to rely on their new up-and-coming talent and a couple of old faces thrown in the mix. Yeah, and like I said, it kind of helped WWE if you cut the old talent and then you could just build a fresh, like say, Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Triple H, all these guys. Basically starting with NXT. Exactly, you know, and this is the thing, this is what's really interesting about 1997 as well. And we'll be going back on this in future podcasts as well. There's stuff that happened on Raw and Nitro during this time. With the you know the DX becoming uh, a group as well, and, and other things happening, you know Bret Hart storyline on Raw with Nitro getting overconfident, winning the ratings every week, and like I say the same things again. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on both of them. But tonight Raw wins, and it's been another good episode, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it's been a good, good, entertaining episode. I mean, the wrestling majority of it wasn't up to scratch, but. Lucky we were. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so anything else about episode 90, Dan? No. 
Right, so that is it for this week's show. Uh, so that is episode 90. Next week, we will have our WWE Network Roundup, where we look at the NXT update. We have a 205 catch-up, and we look at all the latest programs on the W Network as well. Uh, loads of stuff to catch up, and that's going to be a talk-heavy episode. <laughs> so to look forward heavy. to Dan, isn't it? James has got a lot of talking. Yeah, so I've got a lot. Sit here, to... Get some sweets. Yeah, just, yeah, I agree with you, James. That's that's mainly. Just say yeah. that now. Maybe I don't need. To yeah, I agree with you, yeah. James. All right, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Right, it's, it's in two weeks. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be good. Always is. Always enjoy it. And we're getting closer and closer as well to WrestleMania and the WNR one hundred. Uh, and I can confirm now. That the WR100 will have a couple of special things coming back. I'm not going to say what they are, but we're going to have a couple of special little things involved and maybe a couple of little competitions. If we don't know, we'll keep you posted. But everybody watch out for WR100. Of course, WrestleMania on the way. We've got mine and Dan's WrestleManias that we're going to watch this year. Plus, loads more, as, as you know. We'll keep you updated as it is. There's numerous ways you can follow us as we talk about all this. We're on Twitter, at WWE Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also on Facebook. Facebook, you can come and find our page. Give us a like there. Or you can add me as a friend and share your thoughts of the podcast with me. Across all the Google platforms, of course. Google Plus, WWE Network Review. You can send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. And on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. You can rate, review, subscribe and download there. But I have been James Rowlands. And as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.